from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Hope you're all doing well. How you been? How you been? Where you going? How you been? <laughs> so, hope you're having a good day, and appreciate you being here. A little inside joke that I just threw out there this morning, but hope things are going well for you this morning. Appreciate you being here on the broadcast. It is the pre-Thanksgiving meal we should say, because it's proudly presented by the Market Diner in the morning menu, 2100 Park Street, Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA, and it is the home of the Dan Tortora special, my spin on the breakfast sandwich. So, Belgian waffle, and very excited, Belgian waffle, a cut in half filled with a bacon, egg, and cheese omelet. It is something totally amazing, totally different. It is my spin on the breakfast sandwich, Belgian waffle cut in half, bacon, egg, and cheese inside, and very, very, very good. So make sure you go out and get yourself one at the Market Diner today. Jump out to the Market Diner and get yourself that on 2100 Park Street. So the pre-Thanksgiving meal is this broadcast, A Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and I appreciate all of you that have gone out and gotten your meals at all the places that we're proud to work with. I want to give a big shout out to... Really quick here, all the companies that I am proud to be partnered with, including those establishments that you can go to to get something great to eat. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, we're going to be there tonight. It's our last game before Thanksgiving that we're doing a pregame show for. So it's our last pre-Thanksgiving pregame show, and it's at 5 p.m. because Syracuse tips off at 7 against Toledo. So we will be there at 5. Can't wait to see you out there. Get the wake-up call pub nachos. They're awesome. Go out and grab some of those. Get yourself a steak sandwich. The fries are great. The food is great. The drinks are great. And uh, plenty for you to get there, plenty of space and a lot of a lot of fun, great atmosphere. And you get to see a live show for free with a former Syracuse player in Dale Shackelford. So, Lees and Staggerwell, big ups to them. Muddy Waters killing it all the time, whether it's poutine or barbecued chicken and so on. And so the wings, oh my God, the Louisiana-style bourbon barbecue. Muddy Waters, every single dish just making it happen. Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar, 2 Oswego Street in the village of Baldwinsville. We are there every Thursday at 7 p.m. for game show night, except for this Thursday because it's Thanksgiving. Also want to give a special thanks to Samuel Malone's right upstairs for Muddy Waters, the best shrimp tacos in central and upstate New York that I have ever had. Hands down, done. Call the call whoever you got to call because the game is over, right? Checkmate. Point blank and the period. Sammy Malone's making it happen. I also want to give a special thanks to the Wildcat Sports Pub out in Camillus, 3680 Milton Avenue. We are there every month doing a live show with you. We just did a show with the West Genesee Wildcats boys varsity basketball team. That show will re-air proudly on the live feed next week. I'm so happy to have been out there with the, with the gentlemen that I had. I want to thank them all for being a part of the show. Liam Barry. Drew Kiefer, as well as Coach Fred Kent, uh, Will Amica, and Luke Sutherland. I want to thank each and every single one of them. I want to thank their teammates, and I want to thank 
their friends and parents and and colleagues and community members that came out to our live show. I truly thank you a lot for that. Obviously, the Market Diner and Utica Pizza Company bringing you the wake-up call Chicken Riggy Pizza every single day of the week by pie or by slice right there at 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, right by Sweetheart Corners and, of course, Carvel DeWitt. Don't let the cold weather fool you. The amazing taste of Carvel never changes, even though the weather may change. So get out and get yourself some Carvel DeWitt today and enjoy yourself something amazing, which is the wonderful work of the team at Carvel DeWitt. Carvel is, is in itself an amazing, amazing brand. And when you take Carvel and you say, okay, Carvel in and of itself is different and it's amazing and it's good and it's something you got to go out and get. Then you say Carvel DeWitt, the longest standing Carvel franchise in America. And they're even more special because I feel like the way that they do things just separates them from everybody. So get out there and get yourself some Carvel DeWitt today. And you could do that by going to 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York and getting the Wake Up Call Sunday, which is my special chocolate vanilla or a twist soft serve topped off with my signature cookie dough pieces and caramel swirl. And because it's Wednesday, it's buy one, get one. So go out there and get that today. And a big shout out to Carvel DeWitt for all the awesome things that they do. So shout out to all the food places now that I'm very hungry sitting in the studio. And I'll probably be having a bowl of cereal as opposed to any of the great things that I just spoke on. So big shout out to all of them and make sure that you give your time and your patronage to, to the great places of Central and Upstate New York that proudly support the show that you support, which is Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So thank you for that. Here in today's broadcast in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny USA. I am proud to say that we will begin today's show with an extensive one-on-one in-depth conversation with the commissioner of the Atlantic Coast Conference, John Swafford, arguably the best men's basketball and football conference, men's basketball and football conference in America, arguably the best. We're going to discuss a ton of major topics inside collegiate athletics that don't just have to do with the ACC, but they have to do with the entire country. We're going to discuss that in just a moment here as John Swafford will join me first. Then I will proudly be joined by every single coach inside ACC football, which means that you will hear from the likes of Dino Babers of Syracuse, Steve Adazio, who's a former assistant of Syracuse, and will be facing the Orange in their finale of the regular season this weekend on November 25th, which is Saturday at 12.20 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll also hear from FSU head coach Jimbo Fisher, Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney, Louisville head coach Bobby Petrino coming off the win over Syracuse. You will also hear from Duke head coach David Cutcliffe, Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson, as well as Virginia Tech head coach Justin Fuente, NC State head coach Dave Doran, North Carolina head coach Larry Fedora, Virginia head football coach Bronco Mendenhall, Georgia Tech head coach Paul Johnson, Pitt head coach Pat Narduzzi, and a replay of Miami head coach Mark Richt, because what he had to say last week 
I thought was so great and so awesome. And he wasn't with us on the teleconference this week, so I thought, you know, we still need to have representation from him and what he had to talk about with the turnover chain and so much more was really cool. So very excited to bring that back to the show as well. So thank you for tuning in today. A lot to get into. And of course, uh, because we're bonding the Thursday and Wednesday shows, we are going to around 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time do Through the Looking Glass with a deeper look at a trending topic that's going to be happening today as opposed to its typical Thursday. And right after that, the show's going to extend a little bit farther than 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time to get in our college football picks, college football playoff thoughts and info, and just what our take is overall with coach changes and, and so on and so forth with Papa Joe and myself, Dan Tortora. So today's show is going to go past 11 a.m. because I love you and because we do it right here. And you're going to miss me on Thanksgiving, and I'm going to miss you too. So we're going to make this a little bit longer so it's a little bit easier for us to miss each other for a little bit less than 24 hours, and then I'm back on Friday doing a Black Friday special. So let's get into the first part of the morning menu, probably presented by the one of the best places to eat in central and upstate New York, and that is the Market Diner. And please go out and get the Dan Tortora special while I'm talking, because if you don't, one of us should have it, okay? Because I want it in front of me. I want that Belgian waffle with bacon, egg, and cheese, but I can't get it. I'm in studio, so do us both a solid, and let me live vicariously through you for this morning. Thank you so much for tuning into the show, and first and foremost, John Swafford of the ACC. Commissioner Swafford, how are you doing this morning? Uh, Dan, I'm doing great, thank you. Appreciate your asking. And, and John, when you look at, uh, you know, at ACC Operation Basketball, you know, obviously I was there in attendance and, and it was a full packed room and a lot of questions. And I wanted to speak with you first and foremost on, you know, navigating because, you know, the unfortunate side of, of being a commissioner is, is having to ask those, answer those tough questions, I should say, when it comes to, you know, what's happened with Louisville or Syracuse or Miami and whatnot and North Carolina. Just speak on, you know, there is the good side of being a commissioner. There's a lot of prestige and, and a lot of positives that the ACC has built upon over the years. But the other side of it is, you know, you, you have to have your P's and Q's and your ducks in a row and, and be prepared for those questions and just how you handle that. Well, I, I think as much as anything, Dan, it's all about being uh – you know, being honest in, in, in what you say. And, uh, you know, a lot of times with NCAA uh, investigations or, or uh, in, in, in the case of what came up uh, in, in the world of college basketball a month or so ago in terms of the federal investigation, it, you really can't say much of a specific nature. Uh, you know, I... Uh, I think I said that day that uh, uh, the thing I like to see least of all um, in college athletics and from my chair as commissioner are, uh, are integrity issues. Um, you know, even when I was an AD, I'd, ra- I'd rather experience uh, one in ten football seasons, uh, which we did, uh, actually. Uh, fortunately, there are a lot more real good ones that, that uh, uh, you know, more than for that, but I'd rather see those kinds of seasons than than have integrity issues in uh, you know in the program or organization that you're overseeing. So uh, I think it's just a case of being honest in what you can say and and uh, respecting the processes that are involved uh, in terms of not saying uh, what you shouldn't say. 
um, and and expressing um, hopefully in the right kind of way the you know the disappointment and disenchantment with those situations when they occur and and also I think putting them in perspective because the the unfortunate thing about uh, rules violations is that it has a tendency to uh, taint or tarnish an entire institution when really uh, the individuals that have uh, you know caused the problem are, are usually very very few <laughs> very very minimal number of people and I think sometimes the way things are reported it, it gets the perception becomes a whole university is involved systemically in creating these issues and and that's almost never the case it, it, it's uh, integrity in issues at an individual level uh, and uh, and a lot of times things are uh, you know are written and reported before uh, the real verdict is in and 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 uh, I guess that's true in any kind of type of situation like that but that's a part of it too so you know that's how I try to navigate it and uh, you know the fewer of those the fewer of those kinds of problems you have and in this case, a conference, the better, the better, from my perspective. And and like you said, you know, saying saying what you can say, and and you brought up the the federal investigation, and and I know that you know you discussed the the rules when it comes to collegiate athletics, when it comes to basketball, of the one and done rule that you can come for two semesters and and be done and move on to the NBA and. And you had brought up that Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, had had made mention that you know that's not really something that's you know potentially working for the NBA and or good for collegiate athletics. How do you? I mean, do you do you take time? Do you get those opportunities with the commissioner with, with Commissioner Silver to sit down with him and and you know kind of come up with a better plan? I, I mean, is there essentially a plan of? You can either go to high school or go to college, and if you go to college, you have to stay a certain amount of time. I mean, is there any open discussion or dialogue on saying, okay, well, if we changed it, maybe we could make it this? Do you do you have that open window? I think that those windows are there, yes. Uh, you know, I, uh, I've sat down with Adam uh I guess it was not last December, the December, or, 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 it's either last December or, or the previous December, but, uh, and spent some time with him in New York when, uh, when I was there, uh, to talk about these things. And, and, uh, you know, so I think there's an openness there, uh, from Adam's perspective, the, you know, it's complicated by the fact that the NBA can't unilaterally change that, uh, nor can the NCAA. It's a part of the collective bargaining agreement between the NBA Players Association and the NBA. Uh, so uh, there has to be, obviously, a certain level of agreement uh, on, on the issue between the Players Association and the NBA before that can, can change. But I think it's, it's uh, the dialogue uh, among the NBA, the collegiate community, and the high school slash AAU community, uh, I think, needs to improve 
uh, for the for the good of, of all of us and and uh, and for the good of the young people playing the game in our in our country and, uh, and hopefully that'll come out of these uh, this particular situation I think anytime you you have a negative situation as this is with the federal investigation uh, you look for uh, silver linings to come out of a dark cloud and and hopefully uh, that'll be the case in this instance. And, you know, to, to go from there and, and to have that opportunity set in front of you, obviously you don't want uh, a federal investigation to this, but his, it's opened the discussion and opened the doorway. And, you know, to be a good commissioner, and you and I have spoken on this before, it, it's not just to be with the Times 10, 20 years ago, but to constantly be learning and growing and, and evolving You've had some time to to think about this, and and as the leader of the ACC, and and obviously to to be included in the autonomous five. Do you move forward and try to take on a leadership role? Have you you know sat down with other commissioners and said, listen, we we really need to think long and hard on this. I mean, how much is this your day to day in making things right? Because I know you were very passionate about trying to establish a better system moving forward, coming out of the ACC Operation Basketball? Well, it's taking a lot of time right now, and, and rightfully so, because that, that's what's in front of us, and it's uh, it's very, very important. And uh, the commissioners were all together in, uh, in Chicago uh, two weeks ago, and uh, all the Division I commissioners, and uh, 32 of us, I guess it is, and uh, we talked as a as a larger group, and then the, then the commissioners of the five conference got together and talked through it as as well. Um, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a process because a lot of different people are involved, and obviously the NCAA has established its commission. Um, we've put together a task force within the ACC to come up with some ideas to share uh, with the uh, with the NCAA commission and. I think it's critically important to have conversations with people that are, uh, you know, that are in the trenches, uh, both head coaches and assistant coaches to, uh, first of all, really see what's there in terms of the landscape. Uh, I mean, certainly at this point, most people that I talk with that I think would know uh, do not think uh, it's a, it, uh, that, that the charges have been levied, uh, that, that those kinds of things are prevalent but do exist to some, to some degree. Uh, but there are a lot of other things that, aren't necess- that don't necessarily rise to, uh, to that level that this may give us an opportunity to address uh, as well because our... Uh, uh, you know, as I described it at, at uh, Operation Basketball, I, I feel like there are layers to this that you can equate to a, you know, to a sandwich, and, and we're we're the middle portion of those two slices of bread. At the bottom, you've got the AAU and the elite athletes and the travel teams, and uh, being sponsored by shoe companies and and other donations, uh, if you will, and. Uh, and, and a lot of good things happen at that level, 
maybe some things that aren't so good are happening at that level, but we need to get our arms around that as best we can. And then it, it, those players are coming into our system for whether it's a, a year uh, or whether it's four years, and then uh, a small percentage of those players are then going on to play professionally, whether it's in the NBA or, or internationally uh, or in the development league. Uh, of the NBA, so uh, you know they're just they're different layers to this, and uh, we all have our own approach uh, and obligations and our own mission, and uh, and they're they're not the same, and and yet they need to be connected, and I think that's the real challenge that we have. Speaking here with Commissioner of the ACC, John Swafford, John. To, to go onto the field and to come off of some of that stuff that, that's, like you said, taking up a lot of the day-to-day, to look at what is happening in football. I mean, NC State last season had started to show some good improvement. Uh, this season was at the top of the Atlantic Division for a little while before their head-to-head with Clemson. Syracuse defeated Clemson. We're seeing a, a resurgent Georgia Tech, a definite resurgence in Miami. Miami will be playing in their first ever championship game the way it's set up with them in the Coastal Division. Just what you could say about how a conference that was pretty darn good in football has become darn near great at this point in time. And and truly, of all your 14-member schools when it comes to football, there is no safe game as you move forward. Well, there there isn't. And, 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 uh, and that's a great thing because that's what uh, years ago when we started our discussions about uh, within the ACC about what do we need to be going forward to remain uh, one of the one of the uh, best college uh, athletic conferences in the country and uh, you know we felt like we needed to get larger uh, because we needed a bigger footprint we needed more population we needed more television sets to give us the business opportunities that we would need to generate the revenues. Uh, for our programs to keep them nationally competitive. Uh, and number two, uh, we had to get better from a football standpoint and more consistent and, and deeper. Uh, we, we, for years in the ACC, have had some, some periodically great teams, national championship teams, a lot of All-Americans, a lot of uh, NFL draft choices, but we didn't have a lot of depth. And uh, I think that's the biggest change. And, and I think the, the college football playoff world has been good for the ACC. I felt like it, it would be before it occurred. And that's why um, I, I, was, I was so uh, convinced and, and pushed hard to, to look, get out of the BCS era and move into a playoff of some kind because – uh, I felt like the ACC would benefit from that, and I felt like college football would benefit from it. And and I think that has turned out to be true. And our schools have really responded. Um, the additions to our league have, have been terrific uh, across the board. Uh, our schools have responded to the need to get better football-wise uh, in order for uh, – you know, for us to uh, meet the business aspects of, of the college world today that we needed to meet. 
And we've been able to do that, and it's a great, uh, uh, you know, a terrific thing for our schools uh, in this sense that you know, we've been able to do that and grow football without uh, damaging our basketball one bit. And uh, obviously with the tradition that uh, the ACC has had in basketball and the tradition that the newer schools that came to us from the Big East have had in basketball, uh, that's important. So uh, when you can reach the point where both football and basketball are consistently playing for national championships, uh, that's where you want to be, and it's, a, it's a, uh, I think, a tremendous credit to our schools that we've reached that point. And like you said, you, you feel that the college football playoff has been good to you know the ACC, that, that it's worked this four-team opportunity as opposed to just a BCS national championship game. The question gets asked every year, and it was an inevitability of whether or not four was enough. This season, there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of conversation as to who's in and who won't be in when all is said and done when it comes to the likes of Alabama, Miami, Oklahoma, Clemson, Wisconsin, Auburn, depending on what they do, and so on and so forth. Do you feel that, I mean, you push so hard, like you said, for a college football playoff. Do you feel that the conversation should be open to expansion, or do you want to kind of tell people, hey, listen, this 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 might be an okay way to go. I mean, we went from one championship game to four teams, and a lot of people are, are calling for an expansion to create more fairness and to allow some teams like a UCF in there and, and so on and so forth. Where is your stance on, on that as you go forward? At this point, I, I, I think we're we're good where we are at four. Uh, and I, my, my, uh, my belief from listening to presidents uh, who ultimately make that decision and, and, uh, and others, uh, I don't think it will expand during the, the first 12-year agreement uh, that we have with each other and with ESPN to, to televise the playoff. Uh, and, and that's I don't want that to be misinterpreted. I, I think ESPN would probably be fine if it were expanded. It's not ESPN's decision. Uh, I, I think, you know, the contractual arrangements could probably be altered to, uh, to do that. Um, but I don't think that will happen during the first uh, 12-year period. Whether what happens later, I think we just have to watch it evolve. But, uh, uh, you know, it's been the best startup <laughs> that I've ever seen occur in college sports uh, to come out of the shoot and be as successful as it has been in the first three years. And I'm sure that, you know, the first three years it hasn't been terribly controversial as to, who the four teams should be. Uh, we'll have to wait and see about this year. But, uh, but I do think that there would have to be uh, some real alterations in the regular season and conference championship games and so forth uh, if it were to expand. And I just don't think the, uh, the collegiate uh, community is, is ready to do that at this point in time. And I was speaking with one of the CMOs, actually a CMO of the, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, 
Michael Conradi, and, and he said, you know, he remembered a time where there were 11 bowl games, and now in its 82nd year, the Cotton Bowl, moving forward, there is 38 bowl games outside of the college football playoff. What what are your thoughts on the climate? Because, you know, over your lifetime, there has been a drastic change to how many bowl games and that, you know, six and six and sometimes five and seven is is more than good enough. Just, you know, what you've seen change and has it diluted the product at all, in your opinion, that out of 130 schools, 80 of them get a phone call to go to a bowl game? You know, I, uh, I, I think time will tell us that and the marketplace will tell us that as we as we go, uh, you know, deeper into the years of having the uh, the playoff, uh, the, the thing that we uh, really didn't want to see happen with college football uh, that I think, you know, ha- has happened to a degree in college basketball. Less in our league, and we're blessed because of the history and tradition and great programs that, uh, that we have in the ACC. I don't think it's affected us uh, to any great degree, but I think nationally, the college basketball regular season, um, you know, has been overshadowed to some degree uh, by the NCAA basketball tournament. And, and the thing we haven't wanted to replicate in that regard with football is for the playoff to uh, to overshadow the regular season. And actually, I think just the opposite has happened. I, I think the playoff has added greatly uh to the significance of, re- of the regular season and regular season games. And it's, it's um, you know, you have fans of the ACC paying close attention to uh, what's happening in, in the, uh, you know, in the Pac-12, in the Big 12, in the Big 10, in the SEC, and vice versa because of how it can affect their team uh, in their respective league. And uh, so I think that that's been terrific. Uh your question, I understand, is more related to the number of bowls and the number of teams going to bowls. And and as I said, I, I think I don't think we know the full impact on the total bowl system yet. I think we need a few more years to see how that plays out. But uh, uh, but I think it'll tell us, and, and I think uh, and I think the marketplace will tell us in terms of uh, of whether the, that many bowls can survive. Uh, I think the public can be, uh, and probably rightfully so, cynical about a team that doesn't even have a 500 record going to a bowl game. Uh, but for those players, uh, it can be an awfully good experience. So there's another there's another side of it. So, uh, but it's a it's a very reasonable question and very reasonable debate. And two quick topics before I let you go, John. Um, first one on basketball, just what you can say about, like you said, you know, basketball and football have been keeping pace with each other, which is a, a very difficult thing to do in the world of you have competition on both sides of the coin, and the ACC has that and arguably is the best on both sides. When you look at uh, this year's basketball season, there is no Rick Pitino, but there is a Coach K who now has a 1,000 at Duke. There is Jim Beheim who, you know, historically has a thousand and a little bit different, uh, you know, NCAA wise, but both of them have had a lot of success. Roy Williams has obviously shown success at North Carolina and there's coaches like Danny Manning and, and Buzz Williams that are 
constantly improving. So just what your overall thoughts are and your excitement for this year inside of the ACC when it comes to basketball. Well, it's, it's as it always is. I think I think it'll be uh, a fantastic season. Uh, unpredictable, I'm sure, in a lot of, in a lot of ways, and that's what makes it fun. Uh, I don't think there's any question. We'll have teams that are involved in the national championship picture uh, going forward, and uh, as usual, I suspect that uh, uh, it won't turn out exactly the way we we all think it might when the season starts. And that's what uh, you know. That what that's what makes it uh, makes it fun. I think we'll have our our usual depth, and I think we'll have our usual uh, national championship contenders. And uh, it's like our football has reached. Uh, Dan, when you you know when you said uh, uh, about the balance that's there in football now, and, and you just never know. Uh, each Saturday, uh, there aren't any gimmies and. Uh, that's what we've had in, in basketball for a long time, and, and finally we've developed it in football. So uh, that's always fun to watch uh, uh, going forward. So I, 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 we've got a lot of young players in the league uh, that people are going to be excited about seeing, and uh, and we've got some fantastic returning players in the league that will be National Player of the Year candidates. So it's all there, and, and uh, I, I think it will be a terrific season. And then lastly, I know that the ACC Network is a question that always comes up. ACC Extra has been rolling on the Internet and, and providing opportunities for sports all throughout, you know, whatever they may be and, and whatever school it's coming from. There has been more of that demand to be able to see things when people want to on numerous devices, and ACC Extra helps provide that. Uh, with the notion that Disney is is planning their own streaming service and to break away from places like Netflix because of the partnership with the ACC Network and ESPN and Disney owning ESPN, does this in any way, shape, or form affect how the ACC Network will be able to come to us in August 2019 and, and from there? No, I, I think it just... Uh... You know, and this is a reason that I've said all along. I, I don't think we could be with a better partner. I, I think it's it's just more ways that the ACC network uh, can be uh, uh, can be viewed by by our many fans. Uh, our linear network, uh, you know, is is everything is ahead of schedule in that regard. Uh, ESPN continues to be extremely bullish about it, as do we. And uh, when you add on the uh, the over-the-top distribution efforts of ESPN, uh, which will include the ACC uh, ESPN channel, then uh, I, I think it's just uh, you know even better. So I'm the I'm probably the most bullish I've ever been in regard to our future uh, with ESPN and with uh, the ACC channel. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the time, and, and I appreciate uh, you getting into each of these topics and, and everything that you say here on the show, John. It's it's always a pleasure to speak with you, and, and as always, I hope that you have a blessed day, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Okay, Dan. Great to talk with you. Always appreciate uh, visiting with you. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. 
Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513 or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here on a beautiful, wonderful, right before we get to Thanksgiving Day. So we're on Thanksgiving Eve right now, and I'm proud to be here with you on the broadcast, and thank you for listening in to the show. Hope that 
All is well with you. Hope that you're getting set for the holiday and excited for the holiday, excited to have the family come into town and have a good time and relax. And and I appreciate you making this a part of your pre-Thanksgiving celebration. So in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is time to get into the ACC football coaches. Every single one of them, all 14 of the ACC coaches are on the show today, and I'm very happy to have them following their commissioner, ACC Commissioner John Swafford. So first up on the docket is the Miami head coach, Mark Richt. Now, Mark Richt was not on the ACC teleconference for week 13, this final week of, of college football, the regular season. He was not on, but I had a conversation that I did with him prior to that I feel is very relevant to what is going on as Miami continues to impress. They're 10-0 and overall, 7-0 and in the ACC. They have won the Coastal Division. They will play in the ACC championship game up against Clemson, which will decide some things in the rankers because right now Miami is above Clemson, which they should be in the college football playoff rankings, but whoever wins this game will inevitably be on top of the other one because it'll be a head-to-head matchup. So I think it should be Alabama, Miami, Oklahoma, Clemson, but for right now it's Alabama, Miami, Clemson, Oklahoma. So close, one off from what my prediction was. If Miami wins, I think they stay at two. If Clemson wins, they might be able to move up depending on what happens with Oklahoma and what happens with Alabama. So big shout out to all the teams that are in there right now. Wisconsin has a shot. Auburn does too. So does Georgia. I don't think Notre Dame does. Somebody said Ohio State's. I don't agree with that. UCF deserves a shot, but we'll get to that in in a little while here on the show because it's pretty disgusting how, how poorly the committee has treated some of the teams and some of the conferences. But here in the ACC, hearing from every single one of the ACC coaches, first and foremost with Mark Richt of Miami on the quick response of the team to buy into what he wanted, to buy into what his plan was and his program for the team to have success. Miami's been up and down under Al Golden. They did get to bowl games, but it wasn't the Miami that we remembered. Now all of a sudden Miami's in the college football playoff rankings And Miami is that team that's still undefeated, one of the few in America, and have played some wonderful, wonderful games, shown how gritty they are, and show that they fight until the last buzzer. So Mark Richt, I'm very happy to to bring this back to the show, and that's Mark first speaking with me on his quick response of his team to his plan, listening to him and believing in him. Well, I've been excited about these guys from the very beginning. They were, um, I remember the first team meeting I had with these guys, and, you know, they were kind of on the edge of their seat. You could tell they were hungry for, for victory, and I think they, for the most part, they all wanted to, you know, pay the price for that, that there's a price to be paid to begin to win games and, and do things the right way. And, you know, there was a few guys that fell by the wayside that really wasn't for them. You know, which is fine, but you know, majority of that room stuck it out, and uh, the good news is, you know, good things are happening. So I'm, I'm happy for our players and appreciate all their efforts. And then I know it's something that's been asked about a lot, but just to to get your thoughts on the on the turnover chain and how that builds morale for your team, and obviously, you know, every guy on the team wants an opportunity to wear it. So just how that can create another special element for the team. Well, one of the things I wanted to do 
when I decided to continue coaching after leaving Georgia was to to enjoy it more, to celebrate all the good things that happened. And, you know, sometimes after a game you're thankful you won, and that's about all you can muster. But I'm like, forget being thankful. Let's let's celebrate. And uh, so I, I wanted to celebrate all the good things along the way, and that's really what the turnover chain's about. It's about celebrating a great play and uh, doing it in a big way and doing it, quite frankly, uh, in a fun way. We got uh, guys sprinting off the side, sprinting off the field onto the sideline to pop their helmet off to get the chain and be able to celebrate with teammates and coaches and fans. And, you know, I think it's good, clean fun. I mean, there's not anybody taunting anybody with it. There's not anybody trying to, uh, you know, put anybody down with it. It's only about building up the guys that are making those plays and doing it the Miami way. That coming from Mark Richt and the turnover chain, which obviously uh, whenever somebody on the defensive side of the ball creates a turnover, they run to the sideline and they're given this giant gaudy gold chain that has the Miami U on it. And they celebrate with the fans. They celebrate with their teammates or the coaches. They have a party during the game. Now, some people say, you know, don't celebrate till the game is over. Mark Richt has this, and I think it's different. It's not like we won the game, the game is over. It's celebrating an individual play by somebody who went the extra mile. And celebrating during a game, why wouldn't that be exciting? If you're a recruit and you can go to to a university where every time, let's say I'm a cornerback, right? So every time I get an interception or force a fumble, or anything like that, you know, I get an interception, I force a fumble, and I recover it. I get to rush to the sideline. They throw a chain over my neck, and everybody's bouncing around, dancing with me, having a good time. The fans are, like, patting me on the back. My teammates are hoisting me up in the air. We're dancing. We're having fun. That is, I mean, why not celebrate? Why not enjoy it? You're not hurting anybody, like Mark Rick said. You're not hurting anybody. You're not disrespecting anybody. You're not like shoving anything in anybody's faces. You're not Baker Mayfielding people and saying F you and grabbing your crotch and all this garbage. So, I mean, you're having a good time with your people, with your team. It's not like screw you, whoever I'm playing. It's all about Miami partying and having a good time. And if I'm a recruit and I can go to university where anytime I make a big play like that and force a turnover, that I'm going to get that chain in there. Hey, 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 you know, I mean, like that's why would you not want to be a part of that? That's an awesome, awesome situation. I think it was a great idea. I think that what what Mark Rick said, he said, I said to myself after I left Georgia, am I done coaching? And if I stay coaching, if I decide that I want to return, I want to have fun. I don't want to wait until I retire to have fun. I want to have fun now. I want to have fun while I'm living in it. And darn it, if he didn't create these things, have this fun, celebrate with the team during the game, have a place where it's different than anywhere else from what we know and what we see, then Miami does something like this. And look at what it's paid off into. 7-0 and in, the, in arguably the toughest conference in college football. And 10-0 and overall. The turnover chain the celebration, the taking pride in what you do in the game, win, lose, or draw, that and it creates momentum. If you're down 31 to 3 and you're celebrating on the sideline, all of a sudden you got that feeling, you got the juices flowing, blood is pumping, you feel like you are winning this game. 
You know, you're down 31 to 3 and everybody's dancing and having a good time. You got the turnover chain on and everybody's congratulating you and you're cheering and you're doing these chants and different things on the sideline. Now all of a sudden, you've built up this energy, you have this adrenaline, and maybe that'll help you go out there and change the game. So, very smart idea by Miami. I totally agree with it, and I think that if I was a recruit right now, it'd be very hard to say no to that if I'm playing on the defensive side of the ball. Next up in the conversation is Pat Narduzzi of Pittsburgh. He's in the Coastal Division as well. Pat Narduzzi is in his third year in the ACC, and we start our conversation with what he's taken away in three years inside of the ACC. No, you know, not at all, Dan. I mean, this this conference, and and I think I've said this on other uh, other calls. So for, for you listening, that uh, you're saying, gosh, you said the same thing last time. I've been in the Big Ten for eight years, and and I've seen the different levels of competition. I've seen the speed. I've seen the quarterback levels. Uh, I I truly believe, again, at least in my three seasons at Pitt, um, watching the talent level, uh, that uh, there is no better conference in the ACC. And I'm not saying that to pump up our league or my league. Um, it's it's uh, it's certainly one of the best, uh, and, and not not only you know the, the players, um, but the coaches. I think that, you know the, the amount of quality, classy head football coaches, um, and, and a, you know a group of assistant coaches and coordinators uh, at all levels. I mean, when you watch the tape and you put it in, you're looking at it going, that's that's a good scheme, that's good stuff right there. I mean, it comes down to your players better make plays, and and I couldn't be more impressed. Um, with with obviously the level of, of play and coaching in this conference, and then as far as your quarterback position with uh, with Kenny Pickett and Ben DiNucci, just what you can say you've taken away from these guys, two young guys under center for you as you move forward and look for that right guy under center. What have you taken from Kenny and Ben so far? Yeah, I mean you know that's what we're looking for is that right guy, and, and you know one day you know one day it's this guy, one day it's the next guy, and there's const- constant competition. Um, and uh, and that's kind of how the game of football is supposed to be, I guess. And you know, everybody would li- like to lock in and, and say, "Hey, this is the guy," um, and, and then just live with it. But you know what? There's, there comes a point where maybe he's not the guy. They're both still young quarterbacks. Uh, they're both not perfect. Uh, they both try to get better every day. And uh, we just got to kind of ride the hot hand. And last week we felt like uh, Kenny was a hot hand. You know, we're going to continue. We got one more week of practice, or one more day of practice for this week. And uh, we'll find out who the hot guy is this week, and, and kind of go with him. And then, you know, if things don't go as well as we want, we'll we'll make a switch in whatever you know, whatever manner we feel is best to carry the program forward. But uh, the great thing is, you know, I think we got two really good quarterbacks for the future that are going to continue to develop under, you know, Sean Watson, our quarterback coach and, and coordinator. And um, you know, I'm impressed with the way they get better every week. And I think really both of them have gotten better. Um, we see it every day in practice. You know, unfortunately, the media sees it just on one day in game day, and and I think you know that's the thing. You know, regardless of your position, that you continue to push forward daily, and and, and persist in, in in trying to fundamentally, uh, mentally be a better football player. Thanks, coach, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. That coming once again from Pat Narduzzi of the Pitt Panthers in his third season at the helm of the team. If we look at everything right now, Miami, and speaking of the two coaches that you just heard from, Mark Richt of the Miami Hurricanes and Pat Narduzzi of Pitt, they will take on each other. Miami will be at Pittsburgh for the final game of the regular season for both teams. 
That game will be played on November 24th, which is Black Friday, uh, at noon Eastern time on ABC. Which will, this is the crazy thing about this. Black Friday on ABC is going to feature two massive Florida games with two of the last undefeated teams in the country. Miami will be at Pitt on Black Friday, November 24th at noon Eastern time on ABC. Right after that, UCF is playing USF at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, and UCF is undefeated. So Miami 10-0, UCF 10-0, and these schools down in Florida, they're only playing 11 regular season games due to Hurricane Irma. And my best to all the families that are still yet affected by that and that they get what they need, they have the support that they need, they have the love that they need, they have whatever money they need to take care of what they need to take care of, and that they can get their lives back on track sooner than later if they haven't already. So my prayers, my hopes, and my love goes out to, um, and, and obviously to my cousin Joey and uh, and his wife Stacia, to their family who is fighting to build a new house after their house was destroyed in Hurricane Irma. So my best to the family, my love to them around the holidays for Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, so on and so forth, that you know that you have God's love, that you know that you're not given anything you can't handle, and that everything will work out for the best and it will be better than you ever thought it would be and that there will come a day where you don't even you know it's it's like it's like nothing ever happened in this in this I'm not saying don't appreciate I'm just saying you know all the strife and all the struggle and all the hardship and all the angst and the anger and whatever you're feeling right now with everything that happened with the storm be it be it the family I'm talking about or any family please understand that there is a God. I know that in these situations, we always ask, well, where the heck is God when this happens? And why did he do this to me? I don't think God does this to anybody. I don't think that he looks down and says, hey, there's the Smith family. Why don't we throw a hurricane above their house? What I do know is that God is good and God is great even. And that in the moments where we are pissed off the most, in the moments we want to give up, we want to leave this world in the moments that that we feel like we literally legitimately cannot go on any farther, something pushes us forward. And that something is what I call God. So if you're dealing with the remnants of any hurricane or mudslide or any type of storm or anything, or if you're just in a country that doesn't allow you to be free or doesn't appreciate and respect women or has a problem with people that are homosexual or if you're living in a place where you're judged by the color of your skin, which unfortunately are places in America, anyone who is going through any struggle right now, please know two things. Number one, God loves you and is there for you. Number two, I love you, and I am always here for you, and I'm always praying for you. Do not let this world get you down. Do not let the thing, no matter how big they are, please, please know not to give up. Because I have nothing but a want and a desire for every single person in this world to be happy. You could hate my guts to the high heavens. I will never wish that you live an unhappy life because to live an unhappy life is to live a wasted life. And I will never wish that someone waste their life. You may not like me, and that's that's on you, bro. But at the end of the day, I will never wish anything bad upon you or myself or anybody. Because there's a level of respect for the human race that I have to keep, especially because other people these days are not keeping that. So please be good to one another and please know that 
there is success in the strife. And there is beauty through all the pain. And there will be something good at the end of this tunnel. I promise you. I promise you. But don't, you know, you, you might be scared being in the dark tunnel. And you just keep looking at the light saying, I hope that light's got something good in it. Enjoy the tunnel. Because you get afraid of the dark when the lights first go off, right? And then your eyes adjust. You start to see things in the room become more clear. Well, there's a purpose to that. When you're hit with darkness, it may be terrifying. But you stay in it long enough as you're trying to get to that light. You're navigating through the darkness. You start to use it as your strength. What we forget about the light at the end of the tunnel is that if we paid attention to the light that we hold inside of ourselves, we always have light. We're always saying, hey, that light at the end of the tunnel, there's light within us. You don't need a candle. You don't need a flashlight. You just need to believe and acknowledge the light inside of you. And that will carry your way. You may think I'm crazy. It may not be scientific or logical. But it's all I know. And seeing on the sports field what Miami and USF and UCF have done amidst all of this, amidst the storms and everything they had to finagle and deal with and losing a game could have lost more than a game. How does that not give hope to a fan base that has other things that are bigger and could be scary and could be daunting? Well, these teams give them a break. So whoever wins between UCF and USF, I thank you for being a pleasant diversion from what's going on. And I thank Miami for the same. God bless to you all. And congratulations on phenomenal seasons that have earned my respect and need to earn the respect of the college football playoff committee. Or else why play football if you're not going to respect the teams that are playing. Coming up next is Paul Johnson. Paul Johnson is of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. I said this season in my prediction that Georgia Tech would be in the top three in the Coastal, and they are right now. They have an opportunity. They're in a rivalry game. They're going to be at home against Georgia. Georgia's the number seven. They were number one. I never agreed with that. I thought Alabama's Alabama is number one until until somebody shows me otherwise. That's how I look at Alabama. They're number one in May. They're number one in July. They're number one in August. They're number one in September. They're number one in December. That's just how I look at it. So Georgia was number one. I thought that they were a shaky number one. They lost. And now they're number seven. They've fallen down like Notre Dame. And this would be a resurgence for them. They have to win this game. If they lose to Georgia Tech, there's no way in heck they're making the college football playoff. And if Georgia Tech wins, they're going to a bowl game. So Georgia Tech has a ton to play for to be in the postseason to get that coveted sixth win. And Georgia, well, this is not only bragging rights in the state of Georgia, but this is the opportunity to stay in the conversation of the college football playoff. So a massive game for both teams for different reasons. One's trying to get into the bowl season. The other one's trying to get into the college football playoff, and they're already in the bowl season. At 10-1 and one is Georgia. And we start the conversation off with Paul Johnson about that. Still having the opportunity for bowl eligibility, but knowing that Georgia – stands in front of you. 
Well, it's an opportunity. We'll see if we can take advantage. We've we've had a couple of shots to uh, to finish that off and hadn't been able to to do it on the road. So uh, we're on a little win streak at home. We'll see if we can keep that thing going. Certainly, uh, this is one of the better teams we've played this year. And as far as Taquan Marshall, who I asked you about uh, earlier on in the season, just how you've seen him progress and just what his maturation has been over this year. Well, I think he's progressed. He's uh, he's made a lot of plays for us. Uh, I think both he and Cravante both hit the thousand yard mark in the last game with Duke. So, um, and both of them were able to do it in ten games. So it's uh, he's played well. He's uh, you know certainly got some things he can improve on, but he's he's played well for us this year. That coming once again from Paul Johnson, whose Georgia Tech team once again will take on Georgia in the battle for Georgia. Coming up this weekend, and I'm very excited about it, the battle for Georgia officially begins on Saturday, November 25th at noon Eastern time on ABC. ABC's just straight up killing it this weekend. Friday, the Black Friday games with Miami undefeated, Central Florida, South Florida fighting for the East Division of the American and the rights to go to the American Football Championship game. South Florida's knocked on the door every year and come in second place. They may come in second place this year or UCF. I mean, they may come in second place or they defeat UCF and they're finally in first. UCF is undefeated. These are awesome, awesome, awesome games. Awesome games coming up. Battle for Georgia. Battle for Florida. Miami vying to continue to impress this season and go 11-0. Craziness going on as they face off at Pitt. Very excited about ABC. If you just keep ABC on, if you have an old-style television that you have to hit to get to work, and it's color, but it kind of does that, like, stream thing where the color seems to go up into oblivion and then come back and then go up, and you have to shake it, and you have the rabbit ears, and Dad's going, nope, to the left. Nope, a little bit more. Nope. Uh, Babe, do you have aluminum foil? Yeah. Okay, well, move it a little bit. No, just it's... But it's not... And it's called Channel 9, and you have 3, 5, and 9, and maybe you have Fox. That I mean, if you got you got that, you got ABC. You don't need to have Roku and this, that, and the other, and, and all these, you know, DirecTV and this. I mean, all you have to do is have that rabbit ear television to make it happen, folks. So make it happen and listen in to and, and watch these games that are going to be on ABC. I can't wait for these games. I'm super pumped. And I kind of miss my grandma's old TV now. Richard. Uh, next up on the show, I was going to say Richard Mendenhall. I'm thinking about the former running back of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bronco Mendenhall is up next. And Bronco's Virginia team went from two wins in his first season with Virginia. That is two. That's two fingers like a player. Two and ten. One and seven in the ACC. And this season, they are 3-4 and four in the ACC, 6-5 and five overall, and they are going to a bowl game no matter what. They have the battle for the state of Virginia. Bronco Mendenhall taking on Justin Fuente. This game's on ESPN Friday, November 24th, Black Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I don't know what's better about Black Friday. The sales or the games that are on television. Virginia Tech, Virginia. Virginia's playing at home in Charlottesville. So Blacksburg's going to have to come come visit Charlottesville in this one. You know the fans will come out in droves as Virginia Tech will be at Virginia at 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Friday, November 24th. Very excited about this game. 
Big game. Two teams. Finally, this Virginia Virginia Tech matchup, which is always something in this last game, can be something when it comes to the conference itself, which it hasn't been for a while, and that being this rivalry of two teams that are going bowling this year. Virginia Tech's 8-3, and three, Virginia's 6-5, and five, and I start my conversation off with Bronco Mendenhall on his quarterback, Kurt Benkert, growing throughout the season. They're with in that position that and gratifying to have someone to work with, a partner with in that position that uh, really wants to be a good player, really wants to help our team, and really wants to do things right for not only himself but the program. And I'm, I'm grateful to him first and foremost for coming to UVA and working as hard as he is, but I'm also um, excited for him for the successes that he's had, the interest he's garnering, um, from and what his future might look like and the chance to, to lead our team uh, two more times and in postseason. And he, he is the quarterback that's bringing this team back to postseason after, you know, a, a significant drought. And just what you can say about the team as a whole in response to you, what you did coming in because you've been able to turn things from, you know, a, a dismal season where there was a lot of adversity last year to go into the bowl season this year, and I know that uh, you typically don't give a lot of credit to yourself, but what can you say about the buy-in of the team, kind of your message, and just how quickly the team went from watching a bowl game to going to a bowl game? Mm, I just, uh, I'm humbled and grateful that they've chosen to listen and be teachable. Um, I, I don't think you can teach anyone that doesn't want to be taught, and somewhere along the, along the line they've seen enough um, of substance and and competency to where they've they've really embraced what we're trying to do and my job is to help and uh, I think they see that and I want nothing more than for them to be successful and I think they see that as well so I'm lucky to be here lucky to be working with this team uh, with this program and and helping it learn and grow this is a wake-up call fast break Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. Get 
For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Happy to have you here on the broadcast inside of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny USA. And you are hearing from all 14 coaches inside of the ACC when it comes to football. And next up on the docket is Justin Fuente. You just heard from Bronco Mendenhall on the Virginia side, now on the Virginia-Virginia Tech battle for Virginia. Coming up this weekend, you'll hear from the other head coach. The game's at 8 p.m. Black Friday, November 24th. It is going to be in Virginia, in Charlottesville, Virginia Tech at Virginia for this game. And Justin Fuente in his second season has the team continuing to roll and continuing to move forward in a positive way. They have eight wins this season, and we start our conversation on Virginia, Virginia Tech. Well, it's an important game to both sides. Um, you know, we obviously in this state, um, you know, the people that, that went to both respective institutions have a lot of pride in their schools. Um, you know, it's, it's meant a lot to uh, players and, and fans alike that have, that have gone to go sc- to both schools, and, and it's kind of an honor to be a part of it, um, you know, to, to, to gain the appreciation for the rivalry and understanding of what it, that it means so much to, to so many people. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fun, uh, fun thing to be a part of. And then for you in your first season with Virginia Tech, got to 10 wins, you have an opportunity to, if you win this game and win the bowl game, to get to 10 as well this season. Just what you can say about this team's progression, and I know we've spoken about it before, how quickly they bought in and, and carried over, and you were able to bond your staff with some of the people that were there. Just what you can say about the success of Virginia Tech and the fact that you can have back-to-back double-digit winning seasons. Well, I mean, we... We don't need to put the cart before the horse. We've got a tremendous challenge this week just to get one win. But, um, you know, the transition's gone smoothly. I'm proud of our players. Each year is a different year. Um, you know, it's not a straight ascension. Uh, you know, what, what, what happened the year before has zeroed a little, little impact on, on this year. But I've been proud of our guys at some points. Um, you know, as a team, I think we've played better in some instances than we actually are, which is probably makes me most proud. I just uh, like the way our guys continue to go to work every single day and uh, trying to find a way to, to win games. Thank you, Coach, and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Same to you. 
That coming once again from Justin Fuente in the Friday, November 24th matchup that will be the battle for Virginia in Charlottesville. Blacksburg fans will be traveling to Charlottesville. Virginia Tech at Virginia. The game's at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's on ESPN. And both teams are going bowling this season. So neither one is fighting for the ball in this game. They're fighting for bragging rights of the state of Virginia. Virginia Tech is 8-3, and and Virginia is 6-5. and Next up on the conversations with my Q&As with the ACC coaches in the final week, week 13 of the regular season. Next up on the docket is North Carolina, and North Carolina has had a tumultuous season. They've had three different people at quarterback. They're three and eight currently, and overall they are one, or they're three and eight overall, one and six in the ACC. They have the battle for North Carolina coming up this week, and they're at NC State. So, Chapel Hill is traveling to Raleigh for this big game against NC State at NC State, Saturday, November 25th, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPNU. Another another rivalry game. Wow, my tongue is just flipping around like crazy today. Another rivalry game, and I start my conversation with Larry Fedora about finishing strong and how the team has has bounced back a little bit. They were on a six-game losing streak, but they just won their last two, so trying to finish strong on a positive note and then what he can say about rivalry. And this is what he had to say. Now, this game is obviously very important for uh, for us, I mean, in the state and, and going forward. And, and we have built a little bit of momentum with this football team with all these young guys that are playing. And, uh, you know, every every positive thing that can happen is, is important to us going forward. So, you know, we, uh, we want to finish strong. And then as far as the quarterbacks that you've had out there, you've had – multiple uh, guys behind center and, and Chaz and Nathan and Brandon as well. Just what you can say that, that you've taken away as you look to build for your future as you're obviously working through your present at that quarterback position and what some of those takeaways have been from the guys that you've had. Yeah, I think uh, each and every one of those guys has gotten a little bit better as the season's gone on, and, and uh, Nathan has jumped in and taken advantage of his opportunity and has taken care of the football, uh, which uh, you know, which always enables you to, to have a chance. And so I'm I'm impressed with all of them. Impressed with uh, the development that they've had, and uh, I'm excited because they're all young and they've got a chance to be really good. Thanks, Coach. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. That coming once again from Larry Fedora. Larry Fedora inside of the North Carolina Tar Heels program, heading up their football team, and he has had a long tenure inside of the ACC, and he has obviously been at the top. He's felt what success feels like, and right now they're going through trying to build up a young team with a bunch of young guys, trying to find who the quarterback's going to be, trying to find who the running back's going to be figure things out as they go. They're typically leaning more on offense than they do on defense. So in, in last year and in years prior, they rely on outscoring you. This season has been difficult for North Carolina, to say the least, as North Carolina opened up the season, giving up 35 points, then 47. They beat Old Dominion, only gave up 23. Then they gave up 27 to Duke, then 33 in back-to-back games, then 20 in a close game against Virginia. 59 to Virginia Tech, close game with Miami, 24-19. Then they defeated Pitt, 34-31, which is always a great game in the Coastal Division because it's always in the 30s, it feels like. And then they went and defeated the Western Carolina Catamounts in their second-to-last game of the season. As I said, they'll be taking on NC State 
for a midday game at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPNU. On the other side of the matchup that's going to happen Saturday, November 25th, is Dave Doran. And Dave Doran and I had the opportunity to have a discussion this week that starts off with senior Jalen Samuels. It's been a little bit of everything for them. You bet. Uh, super versatile. Very durable uh, young man that does a lot and has a super high football IQ. You know, he can handle so many things and uh, doesn't take a lot of reps to get him down. And comes from tremendous parents and a great program in Mallard Creek and Coach Palmieri. And uh, it's just been from day one uh, a guy that you like being around and really not a very talkative guy. Uh, shows up every day the same way. Uh, that's why his teammates voted two years ago to let him wear the number one jersey just every day he's a, a guy that works hard makes plays and does what the team needs him to do and off the field the same you know never see him on a list never late to anything never misses anything always has a good attitude just a great young man to have in your program and be around and then as far as nc state under you as a whole i mean the first season was three wins and for the last four since then including this season you brought the team to a bowl game. Just what you can say about the plan that you implemented five years ago, staying the course, and then seeing the success of that plan. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I just, uh, you know, really proud of these players and coaches and the way they fight. And we've lost some tough games and won some some uh, big games this year. And, and you know, continue to come to work every day with a great attitude. Just fun guys to coach. And you know, when I got here, it was all about just teaching them. Um, how to win and how to prepare and how to enjoy the process and be accountable and just create a culture where guys love being around each other and the game and, and the work that it takes and the sacrifice that it takes and we've been able to do that and it's fun to see it that way and fun to be around a senior class that has helped us make it that way. Thanks coach and happy Thanksgiving. You're welcome. Thank you. You too. That coming once again from Dave Doran in the battle for North Carolina. And that will be happening this weekend, Saturday, November 25th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPNU once again. North Carolina not heading to a bowl game. However, NC State will be making it happen. NC State's uh, doing a great job under Dave Doran. I'm so happy that he got the time to build this program. He's 5-2 in the conference behind only Clemson and 7-4 and overall on the season next matchup that we're going to discuss for this ACC laden show is to bring you the conversation between David Cutcliffe and Dave Clawson Dave Clawson's going to be first here of Wake Forest he'll face off against Duke at home in Winston-Salem and that game will be happening November 25th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That is this coming Saturday. I start my conversation with Dave Clawson on staying the course, believing in his team. Started off with a 3-9 and season and a 3-9 and season. Since then, the team has gotten a seven wins both times, and they're heading to a bowl game. Dave Clawson's thoughts on staying the course, believing in the plan, and moving forward. Well, you're always in the midst of it. I don't think you ever feel like you're there. And the second you feel that way, it's probably going to start slipping. So, um, you know, we did have a plan and we've stuck with it. But the most important part is that the players have bought in and they've worked extremely hard. And, um, you know, we've had improvement from them really year to year, week to week. And we just got to keep pushing and keep trying to get better. This is a, a very tough conference. There's never, ever a week that you can relax 
and the second that you feel like you've arrived and you're there, um, again, it, it's going to slip backwards in a heartbeat. And then as far as your tight end, Cam Serenay, just what he's meant to this program and how he's been one of the people to lean on offensively, one of the go-to guys, and obviously someone that's, that's always relevant when it comes to the team's successes. Yeah, I mean, again, with Cam, I mean, he's an outstanding player. He has always been a gifted receiver. He worked really hard to become a good blocker. But I, I just appreciate how unselfish he is. He's willing to take on any role to help our football team win. And, and sometimes, you know, guys come back for a fifth year and, you know, their mindset changes and it becomes about them. And that, that never, ever, ever happened with Cam. And I'm, I really appreciate him because of that. I mean, he's just a great kid to have on a team. He's been a great leader for our program, a two-year captain. Uh, but just sets an unselfish example with everything he does. And, um, again, we're, we're, we're going to miss him, but I'm glad that we have him for uh, two more games. Thanks, Coach. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. You too. Dave Clawson on this side of the, the not only the battle in the state of North Carolina, but the Battle of the Davids. I want to call this Battle Dave Squared in this game. Dave Clawson up against David Cutcliffe. Dave Clawson going to a back-to-back bowl game this season. The team is seven and four, four and three in the ACC. They're in third. They have fought to be last season in third place in the Atlantic Division out of seven teams there, which include Florida State, Louisville, Clemson, and company. They fought to be in the top three and were in the top three at, at one point during the season. This season they were in the top three, but at the end of the season they're still in the top three. Normally it'll shake out. And it'll still and it'll be Clemson and Florida State and everybody else. Well, Wake Forest is in the top three, right behind NC State in a North Carolina style takeover to the Atlantic Division. In the coastal division, Duke is five and six overall, two and five in the conference, six out of seventh place in the coastal, as those North Carolina teams have dipped to the bottom spots six and seven in the Atlantic, they've risen to two and three. So with Duke in this matchup, that will be on the road at Winston-Salem, up against Wake Forest on November 25th, Saturday, once again at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Duke has an opportunity to make it to a bowl game. They just ended their skid. They had six six games in a row they lost. Duke had every opportunity to make it to a bowl game. They had five wins. They had six losses in a row and just stopped the bleeding most recently. So about ending the losing streak and still having a chance to make a bowl game is where I start my conversation with a coach who demands a lot of respect around the country. Well, we, we, we had senior day here, 21 seniors counting our, our scholarship and, and walk-on players. We've got seven uh, senior starters, and their leadership throughout the difficult time has been outstanding, as well as the staff. Uh, keeping it together and if you're not able to do that you will never come out of it so then then it's been a lot of hard work and it's difficult but proud of their approach the um, the thing that is we face this weekend it's, it's Wake Forest to us which is a rival it's an hour and 15 minutes down the road and really that's where your 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 focus lies uh, there are things that can come good from this if we can go play well enough to win the game. But uh, I'm hoping what I want to see, and we did it today, but is the kind of practice and focus and intensity 
that we've displayed so we can play hopefully better than we did a week ago, and that's always the goal. Coach, uh, with, with a decade at Duke, just what you can say you have learned from your time there and you've taken away from your time there. Longevity is, is something you don't see a lot in, in college football anymore. Just what you can say about the last 10 years that you've taken from Duke. You know, I think that the way longevity works, and, and I believe this about college football, you have an opportunity to win if you surround yourself with, with really good people. And it's been a lot of combinations of good people. We've had some coaches go on that are head coaches. Uh, we've had some coaches go on to the NFL. But we've kept our support group intact. And, um you know, you don't want to use the term family if it's not real, but we've been able to develop a Duke football family here that uh, I think we all care enough about each other to make this thing go. And um, that that is a carryover to your players because they sense those types of people around them. So I think that's the most important part of what we do, to be honest with you, and I, I know that I've learned that here. Thank you, Coach, and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, same to you. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime.
The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome and your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald downtown where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Leeson Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Up next on the broadcast, inside the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA, is Bobby Petrino as we continue the conversations of my Q&As with the ACC coaches, all 14 of them, uh, week 13 for 13 of 14, and then Mark Richt wasn't able to be on the teleconference call this week, so I went back and played a conversation that we just had very recently here to be able to share all 14 with you. So thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast, and thank you to the ACC teleconference, allowing the opportunity for me to have Q&As with the coaches so that I could share these with you today. Up next is Bobby Petrino and how his defense just took over, or pardon me, his offense just took over against the defense of Syracuse. How Bobby Petrino and the Louisville Cardinals attacked and attacked and attacked and protected their nest in Louisville, Kentucky against Syracuse. Yeah, we did a really nice job of, of running the football. You know, uh, it was good to be able to just hand the ball to running backs, and they made big yards and, and broke tackles and, and big plays. Lamar executed our, our uh, option game real well. And then we were able to, you know, throw the ball down the field. We hit some big plays, and Jalen Smith had a great game for us, and Lamar's touchdown throws were right on the money. So um, it's one of those things where when you're working together, run game, pass game, uh, and we're able to be real consistent. The other thing that was real impressive with our offense was with the rain and the wind, we didn't put the ball on the ground at all. And then as far as where the team was this season, there was some adversity in the beginning, but you have an opportunity last season, you ended 9-4, and four, you have an opportunity to do that again and get to nine wins. Just what you can say about how the team responded and kind of regrouped in the middle of the season and got to where you are right now. Yeah, it was real impressive with our players' attitudes and their ability to come to practice and, and work hard and stay positive uh, and just focus on, on getting better. Um, we also got some players back, you know, some some guys that uh, got healthy. So we're probably as healthy as we've been all year. And uh, our guys are playing with speed and confidence. And I'm excited to see uh, how we do on Saturday. Bobby Petrino and the Louisville Cardinals will fight for the Battle of Kentucky this weekend. Battle for Kentucky with the 7-4 and four Louisville Cardinals, who are 4-4 four and four in the conference, fought out of the basement of the ACC. They're trending up right now toward the end of the season, as opposed to other teams. They are trending up. 
Four and four. They're in fourth place in the Atlantic Division of the ACC. Seven and four. A team whose defense was absolutely atrocious and it looked like they weren't going anywhere fast in the ACC, let alone maybe not even make a bowl game. And now they're seven and four. They will face off at Kentucky November 25th, this Saturday at noon Eastern time on the SEC Network. Coming up next to the broadcast is the is the team at the top and their representative. Head coach Dabo Sweeney of the Clemson Tigers. They've only lost to one team this season, and that team is named Syracuse. They're 10 and 1, 7 and 1 inside of the ACC. They will represent the Atlantic Division once again in the ACC Championship game, this time against Miami. And Dabo Sweeney and I start our conversation on what this year's team has taught him. Uh, it's made me a better coach. Uh, just, you know. Uh, Really, just this is a very young team, a very very young team. We only have six scholarship seniors, and uh, really just uh, you know not taking for granted uh, how hard it is uh, to to do what this team has done, uh, but just really just reinforcing um, how critical it is to make sure that you don't overlook any little things when you're dealing with a bunch of young players. Uh, I mean, everything is a big deal to these guys, and you know, when when you when you've lost a lot of veterans, you can kind of kind of kind of be in an advanced mode uh, as a coach, and it's just important that you understand you have to start over uh, with a lot of these guys, and you've got to go and meet them where they are. Uh, you can't expect them to to be where you are. Uh, so uh, that's probably the main thing. And when you're learning through, you know, this young team, and obviously, like you said, they're experiencing these things for the first time, where's some of the leadership that's come from this for you that you've been You broke up on that last part. I, 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 I think you said, did you say something about leadership on our team? Yeah, leadership from some of the young guys on the team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we work hard at developing uh, leadership, and our seniors have done a good job. We don't have many. We got a, we do have a really strong junior class, uh, but you know, we talk to them all the time. You don't have to wait to be a senior to be a great leader, and um, you know, I've seen that and from a lot of these guys. I mean, we got a bunch of sophomores that I think have stepped up for us uh, and provided excellent leadership, really at every position, and and guys have bought in. But I think that speaks to again the that junior and senior group that really know who we are and what we do and how we do it and reinforcing things, um, you know, when you're not looking, whether it's, in the, it's on the practice field, it's in the locker room, or uh, whatever it may be. I think um, our guys have done a good job in really uh, making sure that, that, that we develop these young guys. That coming once again from Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers When they lost to Syracuse, the question was, how far would they fall? Well, a good team knows how they go through a bad game, a bad day, and then bounce right back. A good team knows how to surge. A good team knows how to respond with positivity. A good team knows how to bounce back quickly. And this team that is the Clemson Tigers this year, yeah, they don't have Deshaun Watson and Wayne Gallman and so on and so forth, But tell me that this team doesn't have talent. Tell me that this team doesn't have ability. That they have not 
gone through this season and taken that loss against Syracuse, instead of feeling sorry for themselves and being, oh, poor us, we can't this and we can't that, instead of losing their psyche, instead of letting it get into their head and change them, what happened in this season for Clemson was that they took a loss to Syracuse, Dabo Sweeney goes in and shakes the hand of Syracuse players. He congratulates the team. He respects the team like a champion does, like a leader does, like a man who knows what the heck he's doing does, and a person in this community who understands to give props where props are due, and then went back to the office and said, okay, we've given them respect for beating us. They were the better team today, but we're never going to let this happen again. And they haven't. The team, since losing to Syracuse, has won four games in a row. Georgia Tech, NC State, which was a game to win the division in the Atlantic. Florida State, Citadel most recently. They will be in a battle for South Carolina. That is the ACC versus the SEC. Clemson will be at South Carolina, who's ranked 24th in the country. Clemson is ranked 3rd. This game will be on November 25th, Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. A very exciting game and a game I can't wait to see because South Carolina's gotten a hell of a lot better than they've been in recent history. They're 8-3, and three, and Clemson is 10-1. and one. This is a huge game, probably the best game that they've played against each other in a little while here. And then we get to see one of the best games in the nation, which could not only be a good game for the ACC championship, but a preview of these teams going up against each other potentially right after with Clemson and Miami inside of the college football playoff. Coming up here in the conversation next is FSU, and that is Jimbo Fisher. Now, Jimbo Fisher did not have the season that many anticipated that they would. The majority of the media picked Florida State to finish first in the Atlantic. I did not. I chose Clemson. I just couldn't see it with Florida State. I put them higher than where they are, which is sixth out of seventh, but they will not be going to a bowl game this season. They are four and six overall. Three of those four wins have come in the ACC, so respect for that. Now, now, but now, pardon me, pardon me. I misspoke. I have misspoken. They are four and six overall, but they were able to schedule the game against Louisiana Monroe. I apologize. That was something that that I did not have set here. They're at Florida. So normally, their last game of the regular season is at, is is Florida, Florida State, Florida State. In the battle for Florida, they play each other. So. Florida State does have an opportunity to make it to a bowl game, and I'll tell you why. Number one, this is crazy. You know, normally Florida State-Florida is this matchup of two powerhouse teams. This year, they're both 4-6 and six going into the matchup. Both of them are 4-6. and six. And they will face off against one another in Gainesville. This game, it's, it's Tallahassee and Gainesville back and forth. Well, this one's going to be in Gainesville at Florida, November 25th, noon Eastern time on ESPN this coming Saturday, right after Thanksgiving. The battle for Florida is ever important to Florida State this year because if they win this game, they're 5-6. and six. Then they will play Louisiana Monroe on December 2nd in, in an extra week of football in hopes of getting to a bowl berth. That would give them 6-6 six and six and essentially send them into a bowl game. Now, it's at the 11th hour because the bowl games start in the middle of December, but they were able to get the game in and props to them for doing it. I know that they're trying to get back to a bowl game, so I understand their 
reasoning of doing this. Now, the Florida Gators were affected like all the other teams in Florida. They're only playing 11 games this season, so they're not going to a bowl game no matter what. The best they can be is 5-6. and six. Now, the advantage for them is that they're in Gainesville. The disadvantage is the players seemingly have given up on the team, and, you know, obviously with Jim McElwain being fired in the middle of the season, that affects some things. Whether you liked him as a coach or you didn't like him as a coach, it's still kind of a no-no, in my opinion, to fire somebody while you're mid-season because of the fact of, of what it does to your team and the psyche of the team. When you fire somebody in the middle of the season, if I was a player on the team, to me it would feel like we've essentially given up on this campaign, right? It's like firing the person. It's like be, working in an office of someone who's running for president and then the person just is gone. You're like, do I go to work in the morning? Do we have another candidate? Do we keep sending out emails and knocking on doors? Or do we just kind of box it up and, you know, plan four years from now or another, you know, of the next presidential candidate, whatever it may be? You know, that's how it feels like. It's like someone's running for office and then they're just not anymore. So do you show up to work the next day and who's the person that you're promoting now? So, you know, the Florida State benefit is that they're playing Florida who's beaten down and just continued the bleeding. And then Louisiana Monroe has the opportunity, you know, Florida State has that opportunity with Louisiana Monroe who, who you know, said, yes, we'll play the game. I'm sure they're getting paid a ton of money to be in Tallahassee for this. Be, you know, this, this game is a huge, huge game for Florida State. They set that game up in hopes that they could beat Florida. So it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen here because if they don't beat Florida, they're not going to a bowl game. They have to win their last two in order to make it happen. Now, Florida did defeat UAB 36-7, to but before that, they were on a five-game losing streak. Before that, they were winning. Here's the crazy thing. They lost their first game of the season, won three in a row, all inside of the SEC, and then lost five in the SEC in the midst of that, the firing of Jim McElwain, then defeated UAB, and now have Florida State. So if Florida State pulls off a victory, then Florida State plays Louisiana Monroe, which is giving a nice paycheck to Louisiana Monroe for coming into town so that they can go to a bowl game, and then they move on from there. So Florida State's not out of the woods yet, or, well, they're not out of the woods yet, but they're still in the forest, I guess is the best way to say it. They're not out of the woods, but they're still in the forest. They're still in they're still in play right now. They're not out of the bull picture yet. This is my Q&A with Jimbo Fisher that has to do with that, but starts off with his committee at running back with Ryan Green and, and Cam Akers and Jacquez Patrick. Just what he thinks about his backfield this season. Well, then we have very good backs. I mean, our guys are very multidimensional, and you have to have that in today's time with the punishment backs taken and how physical the game is. And I think they're, they're very well diverse in whether inside runners, outside runners, catching the ball and doing those things. I think they've had good years. And then as far as Florida State, obviously the culture is of, is of winning. It's something that was created with Bobby Bowden and continue with yourself. When there is adversity, just what you can say about handling adversity in the here and now when you when we live in a society of, of what have you done for me lately, how do you kind of navigate that storm? You have to be honest and understand and let them remember their past and what we've done and what it means. And, and it, just because you may not want as many games, you can leave a legacy that's just as strong to the young players on this team and, the, and with the leadership of this team of how you handle tough situations which allowed good situations to occur. Because if you can go in a tank 
and then totally destroy a program. And then it's never you get back. But what our, our older guys have done and our younger guys have done and understand that how you play and the attitude in which you play with is just as important as the results because the results will come if you can keep that. And I think they understand that. And I think it's a great tribute to our assistant coaches and our and our players to, to be able to do that. Thanks, Coach. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you. You too. That coming from Jimbo Fisher of Florida State. As I said, this is supposed to be the last week of the season, week 13 for college football. It is the second to last for Jimbo Fisher and Florida State as they were able to schedule that game with the University of Louisiana Monroe. So if they defeat Florida in Gainesville in the battle for Florida, which typically ends the season, they will have a, a shot at a bowl game in playing Louisiana Monroe. They're four and six. They have to win the next two to get in. Next up on the docket is the matchup that you've been waiting for in Central New York. That's Boston College and Syracuse. Boston College is already going to a bowl game. They're fourth in five years, whereas Dino Babers and Syracuse are 0 for 2 in Dino Babers' era. They will not be going to a bowl game this season. They're hoping to end the season, however, with a victory. Boston College and Syracuse, the old rivalry from days of the past, from the Big East of the past, from Northeast football, of the past, yet front and center inside the Atlantic Division, Boston College and Syracuse lives on one of the greatest things and one of the best things about Syracuse inside of the ACC. And we start the conversation with a former assistant coach of Syracuse, Steve Adazio, who is the head coach of the Boston College Eagles on his connection to CNY and his love for recruiting in CNY as well. Well, the high school football in Central New York is uh, is awesome, and uh, there's great players every year that come out of there. Um, my experience at, at Syracuse was really a, a phenomenal one. I mean, we were part of three conference championships, uh, three BCS bowl games, and uh, just incredible crowds in the dome. I mean, it, it, it's 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 entrenched in my memory of one of the most electric atmospheres I've ever been in in my career. So, um, and I've got great, great friends to this day there, neighbor friends, and, and I just think it's such an awesome community. And I respect Syracuse. I respect all the former players and, and everybody associated with that program. And, and, and I'm not going to speak for Coach P. What he did there is legendary. Um, and uh, obviously on this day, uh, this is the day when we play that, you know, and, and uh, it's all about one thing. Uh, Boston College, but um, I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you outside of that day, um, I'm, o- I'm always have a fond place for, for, for Syracuse University, without a doubt, and uh, I wouldn't be where I am today without Syracuse uh, in my background, so that's probably as much as I need to dribble on about the team that we're going to go to war with here very, very, very shortly. And when you look at going to war, I mean, your team will be going to a bowl game on fourth and four and five years. You already have that locked up. To speak on finishing strong, as well as staying the course of your plan at Boston College and showing the community around the Boston College, uh, around the school, that that your plan that you wanted to implement has been working and continues to work toward the postseason once again. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, this profession we're in, uh, it's all about winning. And uh, and it's all about making sure that you have an, uh, an upward trajectory. And... Um, We've recruited well, we're developing well, and uh, we're building. And um, while we're doing that, we've been very, very fortunate. This will be our fourth opportunity in five years to go to a bowl game and to win a bowl game, hopefully. And uh, so in that building process, we're, we're able to stay bowl eligible and, uh, and build. We have a great young team with a bright, bright 
future. I think that's critically important. And um, and what I'm most proud of, to be honest with you, is that uh, we've got unbelievably high character kids. Uh, that really their academics are extremely important to them. Uh, it's a great place to be. It's all a great locker room to be around. Uh, you know, they're a big bulk of Northeast kids, and uh, you know they represent Boston College the right way. And so I think, like everybody else, trying to do the same thing. You want to you want to do it with class and dignity, and you want to build your program. You want to have a model. Ours is you know toughness along with that. And uh, I think it's something that our alumni and our fan base can be proud of. And, 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 and want to be a part of. Um, obviously, we're all in a foot race to develop and to win as many games. And you know, you set your goals. You want to win the opener. You want to you want to get bowl eligible. And you know, and, 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 and at some point, you obviously you want to compete for conference championships. I'm not saying anything that every other coach isn't saying. Um, but along the way, to do it the right way is critically important. And I think. Teams in our conference do an unbelievable, the coaches in our conference do an unbelievable job of representing their universities and also our conference. Thanks, Coach, and happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. That coming from Steve Adazio on the Boston College side of the matchup with Syracuse. The battle of the old Big East is what I'm calling this one. And on the other side of it is Dino Babers. This game is Saturday, November 25th at 12.20 p.m. Eastern Time. And Dino Babers with Syracuse trying to finish strong. They're four and seven, trying to get to five wins. Last year they were four and eight in Dino's first season at Syracuse. His hope this season is to improve bare minimum by getting to five wins, as they've already beaten Clemson, who is a reigning national champion and most likely being in the college football playoff this year. So again, so to look at something like that, they beat top twenty-five Virginia Tech in his first year, top two Clemson in his second year, reigning national champion. So there are improvements happening with Syracuse. It's not showing up in the win-loss column, but it's definitely showing up in those big-time games against top teams that Syracuse had. I mean, <laughs> Virginia Tech, Clemson, any of those teams come into the Dome in prior years to Dino Babers, the thought was that Syracuse was hopefully going to hang with them, but probably not going to stand a chance, where Dino gives hope to the future for sure. And we'll discuss that in a moment. Babers speaking first and foremost on the up-down of the defense. They had good games against Pittsburgh and Clemson and then allowed 64 to Wake Forest and 56 to Louisville. So what's his thoughts about the up-down defense? Then we'll take a fast break and be right back here on Wake Up Call. Well, you know, obviously, you know, injuries play a role in that, and uh, but everybody has those at this stage of the game. I think the biggest thing is that our last two opponents have been able to run and throw the football, and when you when you don't take a dimension away from a football team, it makes it very hard for them to defend, especially when they've been operating at the level that our last two opponents have been operating on. So obviously our hands are full with Boston College because they want to run the football no matter what, and they are more than capable of forcing their will on people. So uh, it's going to be a very, very uh, difficult task to stop them at our place, and, but we're looking forward to the challenge. And when you look at finishing strong, even though uh, that's, that's not going to mean a bowl game for this season and your second season, just what you can say about team buy-in and keeping the culture positive and just how the guys have responded to you as you move forward into the final game? 
Well, I think when you talk about what these 2017 seniors have done, I think they're going to be the cornerstone, the brick, the foundation of, of what we're going to get done in the future. There's no doubt that we're going to win here and we're going to be successful. But I think the 2017 class should get a lot of credit for that. And one of the things, one of the reasons why we want to send them out the right way is that I hope when these young men play their last game on Saturday and they come back in 2018 and 2019 and 2020 when things are different, that the people in the, in the community and the football family gives them the due that they deserve because they've been a big part of this transition and they're going to be part of the success that we're going to have in the future. Coach, um, just a quick follow-up on uh, Eric Dungy, obviously going through injury the last few seasons here. Just what you can say about you know building toward the future, knowing that Zach Mahoney's been backing him up for a while and, and won't be there. Just what you can say about Rex and Tommy DeVito and, and just trying to prepare guys as you get set in case there is that unfortunate happening again. You know, one thing that I, I don't do is I don't talk about guys that haven't been on the football field yet, so I will not talk about Tommy DeVito. I think Rex is, Rex is going to get better. As young men play, especially in the quarterback position, they have a tendency to get better. And I think that uh, the second half against uh, Louisville was really his, uh, his first really big-time work where it, where it mattered, and, and there were some really good guys in there playing, and he played against them, and he did okay now. If he gets another opportunity, and I suspect he will, uh, he needs to do better. And that's what normally happens with young players when they start getting playing time. They get the speed of the game. They get the taste in their mouth. They kind of try They figure some things out. And then normally, if they're made of the right stuff, they get better. And I think that Rex is made of the right stuff. So I would anticipate him getting better. And then as far as Dungy, just, you know, even when he's not out there, just what he means to this team on the sideline and just the importance of having his leadership and his energy with you, whether it's out on the field or, or if it unfortunately has to be there on the sideline. Well, you know, Eric is, Eric's one of our elected team captains, and that's elected by the uh, players. It's not selected by the coaches. And obviously the way he plays is, is at a very, very elite level. The way he competes is a very, very elite level. And uh, I think that the guys appreciate the way he plays the game, and I think they appreciate when he can't play the game, uh, being on the sideline and giving them the mental and moral support, uh, that they can go out there and do some of the things that he was capable of doing, if not physically, then in heart. And, uh, you know, he's a big part of what we do, and we, uh, we appreciate him when he's on the field, and we appreciate him when he's off the field with us in spirit. Thanks, Coach, and happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Dan. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 
487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or a wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. Green's Ale House and Grill, located on 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York, is your home for all the games, all the time, Sunday through Saturday, no matter what the sport is. It's also your home of Wingmaster Jabber, who's constantly in the kitchen creating wings that have won awards, and you love to eat every single day of the week. At Green's, you'll also find the Wake Up Call with Dan Satora live on location coaches show, exclusively dedicated to the Oswego State Lakers' numerous sports programs. There's only one place to go in Oswego, and that is Green's Ale House and Grill, 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York. We'll see you there. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast and being a part of today's show. You have heard from, and I want to give a special thanks inside of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner, the home of the Dan Tortora Special, my spin on the breakfast sandwich, available to you only at the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. Special thanks to the ACC Commissioner, John Swafford, as well as every single coach inside of the ACC who is featured on today's show, all 14 of the football coaches including Mark Ricks of Miami, Pat Narduzzi of Pitts, Paul Johnson of Georgia Tech, Bronco Mendenhall of Virginia, Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech, Larry Fedora of North Carolina, Dave Doran of NC State, Dave Clawson of Wake Forest, David Cutcliffe of Duke, Bobby Petrino of Louisville, Dabo Sweeney of Clemson, Jimbo Fisher of FSU, and of course the matchup this weekend in Syracuse, New York that I will be on location for and doing a pregame show for, Boston College at Syracuse. So a big thanks to BC Eagles head coach and former assistant at Syracuse, Steve Adazio, who still recruits Central New York better than any other coach in America, and Dino Babers of the Syracuse Orange as well. So make sure that you come and hang out with us Today, we have two shows going on, at least in Staggerwald Thanksgiving week. So we're here today, Wednesday, November 22nd at 5 p.m. for Syracuse Toledo tip uh, pregame before the tip-off. We're there at 5 p.m. for the game at Lee's and Staggerwald downtown on 117 East Fayette Street in downtown Syracuse, five minutes from the Carrier Dome. We're there tonight, 5 p.m., Wednesday, November 22nd, previewing Syracuse taking on Toledo in the Hoop Hall Miami Invitational. 
and very, very excited about that. That Invitational is going to end in Miami with Syracuse taking on Kansas on neutral ground. But for now, they are here in Central New York, and we will see you at Lee's and Staggerwald tonight, November 22nd at 5 p.m. The Wake Up Call Pub Nachos are available, the Awesome Steak Sandwiches, a fully stocked bar with different drinks that they can make for you, and you get your first beer for free if you bring your game ticket. So come out and hang with us tonight. And also come out this Saturday to the same place, different time, Lee's and Staggerwald final Syracuse football pregame show of the season. Rob Drummond and I will be on site at Lee's and Staggerwald Saturday, November 25th at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time to pregame before the 12.20 kickoff downtown in Syracuse, New York at Lee's and Staggerwald. So come out and see Dale Shackelford, former Syracuse player, and myself, Dan Satora, tonight. Wednesday, November 22nd at 5, and on Saturday with Rob Drummond at 10.30 a.m. and hang out with us Saturday, November 25th, both at Lee's and Staggerwald, an amazing place to go with the family, girlfriend, boyfriend, on a date, business, whatever it may be. Come and pregame with us tonight and on Saturday. We appreciate you coming out. We appreciate your business, and from Chuck as well as Jeff and the entire team at Lee's and Staggerwald, I... I, through you know through all the work that I've had with them, I could say this comfortably that uh, I could speak on their behalf in saying thank you to all of you that have come out to the pregame shows, been a part of the events, gone out during the week when we're not there to grab a sandwich that you heard about during the week or to get the wake-up call pub nachos that are available every day except for Sundays because they are closed on Sundays. So thank you to everybody that's gone out that we've met or we've yet to meet to Lee's and Staggerwald that's gone out there because they've seen a post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They got one of our emails. They were connected with the downtown Syracuse committee. They saw the information on the on my website on wakeupcalldt.com. You came out to a pregame show. However you heard about it, whenever you went, thank you from Chuck, Jeff, and the team at Lee's and Staggerwald downtown. We look forward to seeing you tonight at 5 p.m., 117 East Fayette Street in downtown Syracuse. Be there. So, coming up next here in the broadcast, taking a very short break from college football. Got to get you set for those Thanksgiving Turkey Day games, folks. Minnesota at Detroit is at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And then at 4.30, Los Angeles will take on Dallas in Dallas. And the Giants are the third game up against Washington in a an exciting, normally, an exciting NFC East game, but with New York being so not great this season, and Washington could overtake Dallas, so it does make it a fun game for Washington fans. 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, and the rivalry lasts no matter what happens. So, Minnesota-Detroit, Los Angeles-Dallas, and Los Angeles-Chargers, pardon me, not the Rams, the Chargers, and then New York at Washington will all be coming up on Thanksgiving, which is crazy for me to say is actually tomorrow. It's tomorrow, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Thanksgiving games. Let me do a little thing on it because on Thursdays, we always pre, pre uh, preview the Thursday games, and we're not going to be on the air on Thursday due to the fact that it's Thanksgiving. So, you know, let me just get into these games, and in my head, I'm like, oh, I got to do one game, and then I'm going, no, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. It's Turkey Day, and there's going to be three games on television and it's so crazy because people always forget about that first game as far as when it starts, Minnesota and Detroit, because it's so early. 
It's at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, so make sure that you are watching. Make sure you're awake. The tryptophan from the turkey doesn't kick in until after 4 p.m., so you'll be able to see the Minnesota-Detroit game, some of the Los Angeles-Dallas game, and maybe you'll wake up for the New York-Washington game later on that night in the rotator. So to give you some advice on these games coming up right now, I want to head to the injury report really quick here to, to see if there's anything of note to let you know really quick before we get into the matchups. I'm going to go to Detroit first. We're going to go in order here. So Detroit Lions. Oh, I'm sorry. We should go to Dallas first then. Uh, Dan Bailey, who's been out with a groin injury, he is questionable for the game on Thursday, which is better than doubtful, which he has been. Sean Lee, linebacker, still out for the Cowboys, which kills them inside. Everybody focuses on, well, Zeke is out. Well, Sean Lee was on the team well before Ezekiel Elliott. And whenever he goes out of a game, it is it, is, it becomes instantaneously more difficult for the Dallas Cowboys to win that game. So he's still out. He has a hamstring injury, and we pray and hope for his speedy recovery. Dwayne Washington, backup running back for Detroit, is questionable with a hip injury, was not present at a portion of Tuesday's practice that was open to the media. Next one to uh, let you have some notes on here, the Chargers. Travis Benjamin, abdomen injury, was limited in Tuesday's practice. He's questionable. Mike Williams, who just came back, his knee has left him still questionable, even though he just returned. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, nothing to be concerned about. The New York Giants, Sterling Shepard has an illness. He is doubtful for this game. Orleans Darqua is questionable with a hamstring injury. Justin Pugh, the one of their guards on their offensive line, back injury is doubtful, former Syracuse player. DJ Fluker is doubtful too, who is another guard on the offense for the team, hence why this team continues to struggle. They struggle when the guys are healthy on the offensive line, but they've gone through injuries the last couple seasons, and that's a huge detriment. When your starters on your O-line go out, you cannot adequately state how deeply that can hurt a team. Samaje Perrine, finger injuries, questionable at running back for Washington. So is Chris Thompson's on injury reserve with a lower leg injury. This is very sad. Chris Thompson's been the definition of a flex player this season. And so it's sad for Chris Thompson. For fantasy owners with Samaje Perrine, this is a guy who finally is getting going, finally is moving forward. And at this point in the season with Chris Thompson out, he is going to be the guys, he's going to be the guy of the guy. He just became the guy, but now he has to be, you know, everything. So Samaje Perrine, as the seasons progressed, Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com and I thought that Samaje was going to be the guy a lot sooner, week three, week four, week seven. It's happening now in the latter weeks, but with Chris Thompson on injury reserve, what Samaje has already done positively in the last two weeks may only ramp up more. Jordan Reed, hamstring injury. He is questionable for the game. Terrell Pryor's on injury reserve with an ankle injury. Ryan Grant is questionable with a calf injury. He had a wide-open touchdown against New Orleans in their loss this past week. So just to make some notes on that, as far as who I would play for each of these matchups, the first one I'm going to discuss here is the first game, Minnesota at Detroit. And I will tell you, as far as Minnesota goes, 
This team has definitely impressed me, especially with the way they played the Rams. I'd consider Minnesota's defense and special teams. I'd consider Case Keenum if he's a high-end quarterback too. Latavius Murray in this game, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, and Stephon Diggs for Lake Minnetonka. On the other side of it, to take a look at the matchup with the Lions. Now, they lost to the Lions earlier in the season, 14-7, so they're looking to avenge this. If the Lions beat them, they stay in the playoff hunt. If Minnesota wins, then, I mean, they've already locked up a playoff spot. If they win, then we're looking at Minnesota still vying for the top spot chasing Philadelphia. In this game, I would play Matt Stafford in the game. I would consider Amir Abdullah as a high-end running back three. I'd play Marvin Jones Jr. in the game, and I would consider Kenny Galladay. And uh, Johnny just said we beat them already. And, yeah, we just mentioned that uh, 14-7, to that victory. So Detroit still in the playoff hunt, but Minnesota is comfortably in the playoffs right now. And as we look at the NFC, Minnesota's in second place behind only Philadelphia, who's 9-1. and one. Minnesota is 8-2. and two. Detroit is 6-4. and four. And like I said with Atlanta, I said if Atlanta won then they would move up above Detroit and Seattle. So Atlanta is in sixth place. Detroit's in seventh. Seattle is in eighth. They're all six and four. So Detroit and that, you know, that Atlanta game where Detroit's touchdown was called back, just think about that. I know this is going to upset some people like Johnny B, but just think about this. If Atlanta had not gotten that call from the officials which is a very questionable call. Detroit would have the head-to-head over the Falcons, and Detroit would be in the playoff hunt. Detroit would be in right now at six. The NFC is amazingly difficult this year. Philly is in first place at 9-1. and one. Minnesota second, 8-2. and two. New Orleans second, 8-2, or third, 8-2. Los Angeles Rams fourth, 7-3. Carolina Panthers fifth, 7-3. Then Atlanta, Detroit, Seattle, all six and four. Green Bay, believe it or not, still in the hunt, and so is Dallas. But if Detroit had that head-to-head Golden Tate touchdown that was a touchdown that they called back where you need irrefutable evidence, which they didn't have, in my opinion, Detroit would be in at six right now. So I'm hoping that this will shake itself out the right way because to have Atlanta make the playoffs and Detroit not make the playoffs and have it all come down to that questionable call would be a travesty for the sport of football and sports in general. On Detroit's side of it, I gave you who to play as well. Let's go to the Chargers-Dallas game. And the Chargers, as far as who I think you should play for the Chargers in this contest, Phillip Rivers, not a bad play, low-end quarterback one. Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler are options as well. Keenan Allen is your best option at wide receiver. Mike Williams, if he's healthy and good to go, could be a flex for you. Hunter Henry, not a bad option at tight end because Dallas's defense is flat. I mean, the team's just floundering right now. So this could be some nice help if you have some Chargers players on your fantasy football roster. Please don't forget to set your fantasy lineups that before the game's on Thursday. Don't forget that it's Thanksgiving. As far as Dallas goes, Dak Prescott had three interceptions, no touchdown in the most recent game. I don't think he'll be that bad, but he's a low-end quarterback too for me this week. Uh, Des Bryant is an option for you and potentially Alfred Morris as a flex position. 
high-end running back three this week. I don't really feel good about anybody on Dallas, to be completely honest with you. As far as the Giants at the Skins go, for the Giants game, or for the Giants side of it, I should say, on who to play for this week, I would say to consider... This is really tough. Consider Evan Engram at tight end. He's a low-end tight end one. That's Eli Manning's a quarterback, too. I don't really feel good about anybody else. As far as the skins go in this game, they got a bunch of injuries as well. But the skins, if Ryan Grant is healthy enough to go, he is a flex position wide receiver, a three or a four for you. Uh, Josh Doxson is an option, option, and so is Jamison Crowder. But your best bet is Samaje Perrine with Chris Thompson out in the backfield. You can also look at Kirk Cousins to play him. I did not play him this past week, and he had three touchdowns, no picks, and 322 yards. So thank you, Kirk Cousins, for not following the rules of my fantasy team. So uh, big ups to Kirk Cousins. He's good. To, he's good to have out there in this game as well. That is your advice for Turkey Day. All three games for you on the docket. Make sure that you are ready and prepared, and you can stay ready and prepared by listening to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora Weekly in Fantasy Football with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com. Vikings at Lions, Chargers at Cowboys, Giants at Redskins, four hours apart each of these games. 12.30 for the first, 4.30 for the next, 8.30, 8.30 for the last. On e, uh, That's all Eastern time. 12.30 p.m., 4.30 p.m., 8.30 p.m. on Turkey Day. We'll take a quick step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Totora and come back with a special broadcast of Papa Joe's Picks coming up in just a moment here where sports meets life on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast inside of this pre-Thanksgiving fully stocked full table of sports information. 
you you talk about a Thanksgiving feast. Well, I believe that here at Wake Up Call, we gave that to you today with the commissioner of the ACC, all 14 of the ACC football coaches, and to give you advice on the Thanksgiving three games coming up. And now we're into a fully stocked back-to-college football Papa Joe segment for you. Papa Joe and myself are here with you on a special Wednesday broadcast because on Turkey Day, we take the day off, and the only rule that I have for Papa Joe and I on Turkey Day is to eat a lot of the bird and then sit in front of the tube and watch some football. How you doing, sir? Pretty good, Daniel. Good morning. Now, there are a lot of battles. I've discussed a bunch of them uh, at, at some length this morning going through the ACC because a lot of them are tied into the ACC. But there's going to be battles for Florida, battles for Kentucky, battles for North Carolina. I want to ask you first and foremost what game you're most excited for this week. Um, I didn't quite hear that, Dan. You're breaking up. Oh, I said what game you're most excited for this week. Well, it's it's got to be Florida, Florida State, uh, because of my I'm a gay, part of Gator Nation. Uh, but with that being said, there's so much information down here about what Chip Kelly's doing, what is he doing, what other coaches are doing. Uh, I do have some information to share with your your audience, and it's it says that both he's uh, he's settling on both UCLA and Florida. He's going to choose between the two. Uh, $6 million. That's the offers, from what I understand. Um, I know he's refused Tennessee. News this morning coming out of Texas is that Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M is going to be fired. And his old staff. That brings that in play. Of course, more is being fired in UCLA. So, the Florida people went up to visit Kelly lives in New Hampshire. I think they flew in somewhere and took drove up or something, and they laid everything out before him. And they even had their contract person come with him, so he could sign a contract and fly back to Florida. Well, that didn't work. Then he went to UCLA, and he's talking to them also. And I don't know between two two suits, Hubert schools, geez, six million dollars a year. My goodness, I don't know what to think. What do you think? Well, you know, I mean, for for me, you know, Chip Kelly, he, he was on the West Coast before. You know, obviously people know him from Oregon. He became famous and is where is he, he's where he's at right now being offered the, the uh, you know, potential $6 million because of what he did at Oregon, not, not because of what he did with the Philadelphia Eagles or the San Francisco 49ers, but, you know, this is for what he did with the Ducks of Oregon. So, you know, I think the West Coast makes sense in it being familiar, but Chip Kelly – was not successful on the East Coast. So it depends on what he's thinking. If the money's going to be the same either way, then if I'm Chip, I'm saying, listen, on the West Coast, I've already found success. On the East Coast, I was embarrassed. So I would like to represent myself on all coasts, on all coasts of America as one of the greatest coaches in college football. The other side of that is he has ties on the West Coast to high school coaches, and he can have an easier job recruiting there. If he comes to Florida, Florida might say, hey, you have to keep Randy Shannon. You have to do this. You have to do that. UCLA might not have those rules. So it's the, do you want to come to the East Coast and come to Florida and be and, and try to redeem yourself on the East Coast? 
Or do you go to a familiar place with familiar high school coaches and not necessarily have to deal with a school telling you you have to keep these assistants on your staff? That's a good point. Speaking of Coach Shannon, the players are behind him. I think they're, they're not going to revolt or anything like that. But they are playing up to the administration that Coach Shannon's done a good job holding the team together. Uh, the recruiting class has only lost one four-star athlete. Uh, the AD just came out with a statement saying they're going to widen their search. Well, widen their search means that they haven't got Coach Kelly all 100% yet. Um, after the Florida-Florida State game, they will be playing for Coach Shannon today, obviously. Uh, Florida has the athletes. Florida State had better athletes. I think that Jimbo Fisher will probably win this game, even up at Florida. Jimbo Fisher, from what I read this morning from Texas, is that he's being considered for Texas A&M. I don't know why he would move, uh, but this this game, along with the rest, a lot of games, the coaches are really on the forefront. So Coach Shannon, whether he'll be retained by the new new coach or not, or even if, if he's selected, uh, it's going to be big for Florida and Florida State. Same way, both teams had miserable seasons. Uh, Florida started out the season by suspending nine players because of, they act like idiots. Uh, two of the wide receivers, one, one in the best in the SEC, Antonio Callaway. Uh, FSU's lost a lot of players also, uh, but they got a little bit more, and I think they got a little bit more ride for them. I think maybe FSU may squeak in for a bowl. I'm not so sure about that with the record, but uh, if, if Texas A&M is looking at Jimbo, I have to come up with a lot of cash, Daniel. Yeah, you know, and once again, you know, Jimbo comes up it's seemingly every year with a job that opens in the SEC. And as I've said before, and I will say it again, and I asked Jimbo Fisher about this last season while I was down in Florida driving through Jacksonville, I was on the phone with Jimbo Fisher on the ACC teleconference, and I said, Jimbo, I said, everybody's got a thought about what you're going to do with your life. I want you to speak for yourself as, as opposed to hearing other people speak for you. What are your thoughts? And he said that it was asinine. It was crazy. He's not going to LSU. This was last year. And he, he just said it. He was like, you know, it's not going to happen. People speak their mind. I love this school. I love this university. I'm tied to this university. And, you know, he's synonymous with it. If he doesn't take the LSU job last year, I don't see him taking – the job this year with Texas A&M. I don't see him leaving for the SEC. He can lose for a se- for a couple seasons in the ACC and not get fired because of everything that he did under Bobby Bowden, because of what he's brought this team to, because he's been on the national stage pretty much every year that he's been the coach except for this season where they've had a tumultuous season. But how many times do they lose their starting quarterback in the, in the first game of the season? So... You know, for for Jimbo to take another job, I can't see it happening. I wouldn't understand him wanting to leave. And, you know, my reasoning stays the same. And I've said it to you before, Papa Joe. Why leave a school who will name a building after you, name some part of some field somewhere after you, will make a, will erect a statue of you, 
allow you to retire when you want to retire. You can coach the next 20 years and you will make more money over time staying at that school than you will make in three years being somewhere else. The money comes quick in the SEC, but the job leaves even faster. So stay in the ACC, stay with Florida State, let them make the statue, let them put your your name in your face all over buildings, retire when you want to retire, when it's time for you to hang the cleats up, and then move on with your life. Jimbo Fisher has a swan song at Florida State that's located probably 10 or 12 years down the road. Why would you leave that? You're right, exactly right. Uh, I was just wishing that maybe he would leave because maybe we could beat Florida State now. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's looks like there's going to be several teams in the SEC that are going to be looking for coaches. Now we just heard about Texas A&M. You have Mississippi, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas. They haven't relieved uh, Coach Burt yet of his, his job, but uh, I think that's coming down the line too. Uh, you got the possibility maybe of uh, Dan Mullen from Mississippi State coming to Florida, who I really, 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 really want. Uh, even more so for me the, than Chip Kelly. Uh, he's proven in here. He's proven in the state. He can win any, he can win any SEC, even with a, a weak school at Mississippi State. Even though they're paying him well, uh, I really, really wish that Dan Mullen would be considered for this job. Yeah, you know, and Dan Mullen's come up with a lot of different things so far uh, as far as, you know, who would take him at this point. You know, everybody is is looking for Dan Mullen. It sounds like, you know, there's a lot of people that are looking for Dan Mullen right now and, and hoping that he would give them an opportunity. And, and there has been these changes that have gone on. I mean, Jim Mora fired by UCLA. They were supposed to have this phenomenal season. You know, their quarterback is is definitely a strong guy. And and brings a lot to the table in Rosen. And, you know, so the hope was that they were going to have a strong season, but that hasn't happened. Now, I said jokingly but seriously that the American Athletic Conference could send more than half of their teams to a bowl game where the SEC could have half of their teams without a head coach by the end of the season. Florida, Tennessee looking, you know, Vanderbilt is 0-7 in the conference. You have to think that that comes up. You have to think that Missouri could come up. You have to uh, look at Arkansas, obviously, and Ole Miss, Texas A&M, with things coming out about. I mean, they're going to a bowl game, but already the conversation and the rumblings from week one or two. By week three, everybody wanted to fire Kevin Sumlin, and we feel we're, they're going to a bowl game. We're in the same place. If this was Syracuse, and people in week three said fire Dino Babers, and they were seven and four right now, everybody would have shut their mouth gone to a bowl game, thank the good Lord Jesus Christ that they were playing in December or January, and there'd be no conversation. But in the SEC, when a decision's made about your head, you could go 10-0 and from there and ain't nothing going to change it. So, I mean, the SEC literally could see, like I said, seven, coach, seven coaching changes, if not at least six in the offseason. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of Syracuse, uh, they're at home against B.C., uh, do you think Dino can can save the season? You know, Dino's gonna do everything that he could do in this game, and and I really, honestly, the tough part of this is Syracuse has had Eric Dungy for three seasons, and he has not been fully healthy for twelve games in any of those three years. Uh, the irony about the Louisville game is that two years ago he got hurt in the Louisville game, came out, and they got spanked. And this season he was injured before the Louisville game, didn't play in it and they got spanked. So his tenure 
in Syracuse at Louisville is atrocious because he's either hurt already or he gets hurt. Uh, Zach Mahoney is a, a senior backup to him. Zach Mahoney's story is is a is a wonderful story. He was a he was a preferred walk on onto the team, fifth string quarterback who got a scholarship and almost defeated Clemson, almost defeated LSU, and has uh, has obviously run the offense pretty well for the most part. Now the problem is that he he had three touchdowns, no interceptions in the first two quarters of the Wake Forest game. Since that, in the two quarters to end the Wake Forest game, in the four quarters against Louisville, he led an offense that scored 13 points in 90 minutes of play. 13 points in six quarters. So Zach Mahoney is going to be playing his his heart out in this game. It's atypical of Zach to not score the ball. So my hope is that he goes to work in this game. BC is a pain in the butt. They don't have their starting quarterback, Anthony Brown, but they do have a guy who I respected, who was recruited by Syracuse and BC, who is none other than Darius Wade. He had the job, lost it, got hurt, got it back, got hurt, lost it again, and now he has the job uh, one more time, and he was able to take care of business of UConn 39-16, to only had to throw a touchdown, only threw 15 uh, attempts, though. Uh, I think Syracuse, even though BC has been scoring a lot of points, I think Syracuse... They play a certain way against Boston College at home. They literally play like the world's on fire, and this is the last-ditch effort to save your family. So I think Syracuse is going to win this game. I think Dino's going to be able to leave season number two with Syracuse, saying that we went from 4-8 and eight to 5-7, and seven, so we improved in wins. We defeated another top 25 team. This is a top two reigning national champion, Clemson, who's going to be in the college football playoff most likely. So he has something to build off of, but that one more win would be a massive help to them. I don't think it's going to get him into a bowl game, but then again, who the hell knows when 80 of 130 teams play, so you could be 1-11 in 11 and get a phone call on a year that everybody's terrible. So, you know, uh, Boston College, it's going to be a hell of a game. Best offense that Steve Adazio has brought into the Dome in a long time, but I'm going to lean on the side of Syracuse and say that They'll stop the bleeding because the only place they've won is at home. They have not won a game on the road this season at all. So I would think they want to finish strong. Zach Mahoney wants to get some respect in his final game at Syracuse. And I think they'll they'll figure it out. They'll find a way. I wish you guys luck up there. It's going to be good. You know, going back to Coach Sumlin, you know, he may not be the only coach in that Texas A&M LSU game that's under fire. You know, Coach O, uh, Got a little shaky in the beginning, too, you know. I think he's 7'3 right now, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, Texas A&M, kids are going to play their house hard for Coach Sumlin. Uh, LSU, kids always play tough for Coach O. Uh, I don't know. If if, if if Coach O doesn't win this game, he could be in a pickle and add his name to the rest of the list of the SEC teams that are looking for a coach. Uh Coach Sumlin, uh, I think, has everything to play for here as well as Coach O, but I think LSU at home is a little bit tougher than Texas A&M. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, well, first and foremost with LSU, you know, the team the team is 8-3, and three and they've won five of their last six games after, after losing to Troy, almost to Syracuse, and losing to Mississippi State. You know, this is a team who, again – 
Kojo, first year, everybody wanted his head. He fills in when they when they when last year they fire an eighty one percent winning percentage coach. When they get rid of Les Miles, O O fills in, and normally the interim doesn't get to be the head coach. They give him the job. He takes the job in his first season outright this year and has five out of the last six games be a victory. The only loss he's had in the last six games is to Alabama, who nobody's beaten. So, you know, I think I think Coach O has, again, if it was Syracuse, this man would be a genius. This man would be a savior. But, you know, three losses in the SEC is a big problem, and that loss to Troy is hard to forget. But, you know, Texas A&M, Kevin Sumlin is most likely out. Ed Ogeron, yeah, if he wins this game, he keeps his job. You can't lose to a coach that's getting fired. But I still think that Coach O sticks around. However, we know the SEC, and as much as we want to say that this is what makes sense in the mind of a human being, the robots that run the SEC might fire this guy for walking left instead of right out of the tunnel, for all we know. (laughs) That's a good thought. That's a good thought. What other games do you like? Well, uh, first I want to get to our poll. Uh, Where do you think Chip Kelly will end up? 69% 69% of you have voted Florida, 27% UCLA, and 4% said he's going to end up somewhere else. So the majority of you thinking Florida, but you came out of the gate a lot healthier for Florida. It's dwindled down some, heading toward 30% for UCLA. So some of you UCLA people must be chiming in here and uh, and letting us know. But right now, Florida leads the race in where people think Chip Kelly will end up. And I also want to make a note that uh, last week when Papa Joe was on the broadcast, we had our polls, and uh, these were two of the biggest polls I've ever done on Twitter at CallDT. If you're not following me, make sure you do it. That's C-A-L-L-D-T. So I want to run to those polls really quick here, and because I tend to do a massive amount of work every single day, I have to run rummage through everything. But let me get these polls up because I want to uh, make some notes here on what we ended up getting because we had a ton of you chime in, and I appreciate it. Everybody on Twitter at CallDT, thank you so much for your support and your responses. This is what you had to say. I'm just getting to them right now. So the first one that we had, let me get into it right here, was... Well, I also put up another poll about Hampton University leaving the MEAC for the Big South. 35% of you love it, 32 like it, 15 dislike it, and 18% strongly disliked it. So that was another poll that went up. But the two that Papa Joe and I had, 162 of you voted, do you want Chip Kelly to be the new Florida Gators coach? 88% a yeah, and 12% no thank you. Another poll that we had, 254 votes, if you could choose... Would you want former Oregon head coach Chip Kelly or former Oregon offensive coordinator Scott Frost, who's the current head coach of UCF, to be the next Florida Gators head coach? 78% of you Chip Kelly and 22% of you Scott Frost. So Chip Kelly winning the battle here in all of the polls right now for Florida. Papa Joe, Florida State's playing Florida, and Florida State found a way to go to week 14, which doesn't exist in college football, They got Louisiana Monroe to come to Tallahassee for God knows how much, probably a cool mill, and they're coming in to Tallahassee because Florida State is banking on this game against Florida, saying if we beat them, 
We're playing Louisiana Monroe. We'll get to six and six, and we'll go to a bowl game. So they're using Florida as a springboard to try and get to that extra game, that bonus game that college let them have. What do you think about it? Uh, preposterous. I mean, you know, Louisiana Monroe, did you just say a million's probably right. You know, I, I hearken back to the, the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about, about Troy coming to LSU. God knows how much money Troy was getting, but uh, sometimes there's an upset, but not in this case. I think, a, in my opinion, a 6-6 six and six record shouldn't go to a bowl anyway. Uh, I'm hoping that Florida can upset the apple cart here. Um, I'd love nothing better than for us Gators and Gator Nation to beat Jimbo and keep him out of a bowl. That coming from Papa Joe, <laughs> sending the warning shot over the bow to, uh, to, to Florida State in this game. This game is going to be in Gainesville, and it is the final game of the regular season for the Gators. The Gators are 4-6. and six. They have no shot of going to a bowl game this season, and they're just trying to end strong, but they have had struggles. The only team that they have been able to beat most recently was the team that they had to, which was UAB, who lost their football program recently and got it back because people went absolutely insane about it. But before that, they were on a five-game losing streak and had not won since they beat Vanderbilt 38-24 at home in Gainesville. So this will be the final game. I'm going to go with FSU in this one as who I think is going to win it because FSU has been starting to, you know, they're, they're doing some good things. They just, they have too much. They have Ryan Green as well as Cam Akers and Jacquez Patrick in the backfield. They got some good guys in the secondary. I think that they're going to do enough in this game. But, you know, if there's an upset that comes, what do you do? Do you call Louisiana Monroe and say, can we have the check back? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it breaks my heart to say this, but I agree with you on this for with Florida State. They got a little bit too much firepower that, for Florida. Florida's deep, Florida had a lot of injuries, uh, along with the nine kids that get got suspended. I think that they're, they're only dressing maybe about 70, 72 kids. Uh, Florida State has a little, little, little bit too much here, and it doesn't matter if you play in Gainesville or Tallahassee. Uh, there's plenty of fans for both sides. It's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, I think I think Florida State takes it. But it pains me to say that. There's a game being played on Thanksgiving, and the reason why I bring it up is because it pisses me off. I don't think anybody should be playing on Turkey Day, but Ole Miss is playing at Mississippi State in the battle for Mississippi. When we look at both of these teams and where they stand right now, Ole Miss is 5-6, and six, so they're fighting for, the, for an opportunity at a bowl game. Mississippi State is 8-3, and three and they are going to a bowl game. Thoughts on, on this one, and first and foremost, thoughts on making these college kids play on Thanksgiving? No, that's that's impossible. I, that, it's uh, it's not it's not it's not Americans. It's un-Americans. I mean, these kids. A lot of kids want to go home to their parents and have turkey dinner with their family, their relatives, and stuff like that. I, I disagree with this, uh, but I do agree that Coach Mullen's going to win this game, and I think uh, him going to nine and three, he's going to bump himself way up in the polls, uh, and hopefully, after this weekend, perhaps. Coach, uh, the the people from Florida will be talking to, talking him and uh, trying to talk him in to come to Florida. Yeah, Mississippi State is uh, 14th right now in the college football playoff rankings at eight and three. 
and we're going to get to uh, some thoughts on that in just a couple minutes here. Inside a wake-up call with Dan Tortora, live on MixLR.com backslash DT with Papa Joe's picks. Papa Joe and I taking a look at Black Friday. I said, I don't know what's better than in, on Black Friday. Is it the sales or is it the games? Because I'm going to be out shopping, but Papa Joe, this might be the quickest Black Friday I've ever had in my life because i got to be home. Miami's playing Pittsburgh, trying to stay undefeated. Baylor's playing up against TCU. And, you know, I am a fan of Matt Rule, and I covered him at Temple, even though he's had a tumultuous first season. Navy's playing Houston at noon on ESPN in a big game for both teams who are both heading to bowls. South Florida, UCF, big game. South Florida, Central Florida, battle the war on I-4, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, ABC, can't wait. Virginia Tech's playing Virginia at night. They're both going to a bowl game for the first time in a long time. Virginia has woken up. So, I mean, I love the fact that Miami's playing. I love that Navy and Houston are on television that everybody can see. I love Virginia, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Virginia. But I am uh, my absolute favorite game that my spirit, a part of it, will float down to Orlando and will be sitting in the stands for this one. South Florida at Central Florida. Whoever wins this game wins the East. South Florida has been second in the East of the American Athletic for the last two years. If they lose this one, that's the third time that they're the runner-up for the AAC championship game. UCF has never gotten to the AAC championship. And on the other side, for the third time in three years, the American Athletic West Division will send a different team. It was Houston, Navy, and now it's Memphis. So South Florida and Central Florida, this is always a big game, but never bigger than this year where they fight for the right to play in the AAC championship game. South Florida has one loss. Central Florida has none. What are your thoughts? Oh, boy, what a game. You are right. Charlie Strong against uh, young Mr. Frost there. Um, uh, Central Florida has impressed me a lot. The way they score some points, they can run up and down the field forever. Charlie Strong, of course, is a uh, defensive-minded coach. <clears throat> you know, it, this particular game, even though it's at, it's at Central Florida, you know, I think offense is going to win this title. I don't see F- South Florida scoring as many points as Central Florida can. I don't, I don't think they can outscore Central Florida. Uh, that being said, of course, if he wins and goes to the championship game, that means uh, his his dilemma of looking for another uh, job is, is going to be put off for a while, and me being greedy uh, is going to say that well, Florida's got another another week a week to wait to talk to Scott Frost. So uh, again, that being said, I like Central Florida in this game because they're just I think they're unstoppable right now. What do you think? Yeah, you know the thing about South Florida, and I want to go back to this because this has been looming on my mind for a while, and that is the fact that South Florida. And all the credit, Charlie Strong in his first year. When I interviewed him in his what ended up being his last season at Louisville, he was in the American Athletic for one year, its first year. And when he took the job at Texas, I said, mark my words, I give him three years. He was there for three years and he got fired, which is typical of a Texas program. And after being fired, has found his way back into the American because things are cyclical in sports. And there's a lot of irony in sports. So he is with South Florida, and in his first season, brought the team to a 9-1 overall record, 6-1 in the conference. 
and huge credit to him in navigating through the storm of the AAC, which is a lot harder than people think, and the literal storm of Hurricane Irma. The thing that's been looming, though, and you know what? It's good when you're Charlie Strong and you inherit a quarterback like Quentin Flowers. When you look at who is a Heisman Trophy finalist in my mind for the last three years, and if people don't know, they better get to know. South Florida, my thing with them is that, yes, they have played to a 9-1 and record, but they lost to Houston, who literally could beat anybody on any. Houston's that team that can beat anyone and lose to anyone, and they've shown that this year. They're that bowl-eligible team that's a pain in the butt to play, but you could possibly beat if you need the win. And if you, you know, if you're trying to get into them, they're extremely fun to watch. They're playing Navy this week. It's going to be a great game on ESPN at noon. And my thing with South Florida is they've played games closer than Central Florida has. Now, Central Florida, they, they're doing what Syracuse is doing, but better. They're going really, really fast on offense, but they're actually playing defense. And Scott Frost, I think, is going to have, like you said, Papa Joe, it's too much offense. South Florida can hang with you and they can roll, but as that car starts to get up to 30 or 40 points, it starts to shake. Where where Central Florida's car is is purring like a kitten when it's up to 50 or 60. So in my opinion, the offense is going to take this. Defense will do some things, but you cannot outscore. In my opinion, Central Florida's offense will not be outscored, which is why they deserve to be higher than 15th in the college football playoff rankings. And so I'm going to pick Central Florida as well and follow up with a question to you, Papa Joe, and, and this, this statement that I have with uh, what's going on with the college football playoff rankings. Washington State moved up five spots in the third week of the college football playoff rankings after defeating a Utah team who is below 500. They moved up one spot on a bye week this week. Mississippi State is up two spots after defeating Arkansas, who's four and seven. UCF is ten and zero, and they're ranked fifteenth. Agree or disagree with what the committee's doing to UCF? Um, I don't want to say Central Florida and South Florida are second-rated schools. Uh, I don't want to insult that, but um, you know, go back to Charlie Strong at South Florida for a while. You were correct in stating that he had a tough time at Texas. Him coming to South Florida, it's a, it's a, again, it's a second, it's a triple-A school, triple-A conference. You know, I think he's comfortable in this type of environment. Uh, I don't think that the polls are ever going to allow these teams to come up. They should, a little bit at least. I'd like to see Central uh, Florida play anyone, frankly, the way he scored a little score. Uh, but... Charlie Strong, I think, is comfortable in this environment now. Uh, Central Florida, obviously, is a, is a great story. A great story. Um, it's difficult for me to see these teams playing uh, the SEC teams or the ACC teams and winning consistently. So, with that being said, I either disagree or agree. I can't really make up my mind on that. But we do have to uh, state that uh, South Florida and Central Florida are not playing the type of schedules that will allow them to move into consideration for the polls. Yeah, you know, Central Florida, to me, they deserve to be higher. I feel like they're like a TCU of old where, you know, you just want it. You would love to see what they could do against Alabama. You'd love to see what their offense would do. You, I 
I would love to see Central Florida play Miami because they're both undefeated. They're both in the state of Florida. They both dealt with Irma. They both lost a game, and they're both damn good. So, and a whole lot better than Wisconsin, who's played chip chaps to get to where they are right now. I, I want to go uh, really quick, Papa Joe. We're going to go down the line for battles of states here. So, Virginia Tech, Virginia, who do you got? I got Virginia Tech's defense on this one. Uh, I think they stopped Broncos' boys. I'm going to go I'm going to go with Virginia. I believe Virginia Tech can win this game, but Virginia's been ripe for a win. I'm going for Virginia at home in Charlottesville. Georgia and Georgia Tech. If Georgia wins, they stay in the playoff hunt. If Georgia Tech wins, they go to a bowl game. Uh, this is a toss-up to me. Not a real toss-up. I'm sure Georgia's favored, but the way Georgia Tech plays football uh, with their running, running attack, keeping Georgia off the field, I do like Georgia only because they have more talent. But if Georgia Tech holds the ball on them and keeps running and running and running, could be an upset. Yeah, I'm going to go with Georgia Tech in this one, and, and I think that they're going to make that triple option a little bit of a heyday for Georgia. Next one is I'm going to go down here and select. I'm looking at one of these games. Uh, Clemson and South Carolina. Clemson number three, South Carolina 24th in the country. South Carolina finally looking good again. They're 8-3 and three on the season. Thoughts in this game that will be played Saturday night at 7.30. Clemson has too much to play for here. Dabo Sweeney's not going to let his kids lay down. He's going to be screaming and yelling the whole game long. Going to be a hard game against a tough South Carolina team. But I think Clemson's got too much to play for, and they got to win to stay in contention for the playoffs. Yep, you know, I'm going to go with Clemson in this game as well. I think that Clemson's going to do what they need to do. After losing to Syracuse, probably the best thing for them. They learned a lot. The other game that I want to talk about, Washington State Washington State, and Washington. I don't agree that Washington – I'm happy for Washington State, but I highly disagree with moving up in a bye week. What do you think about this one? Well, I'm a big Mike Leach fan. Have been for years since he was at Texas. Uh, Texas Tech, was it? Uh, anyway, uh, Washington State, I think, wins this game rather easily. And frankly, Coach Leach – being spoken about with some college football openings, and Florida being one. Uh, I'd like to see Mike Leach even be considered to come to Florida because he's an offensive genius. Uh, but don't be surprised if, if he leaves Washington State. But I like Washington State. Yeah, I'm going to go with Washington State in this game as well. They have a lot to play for, and they're trying to surge right now. They're looking to get uh, a nice bowl game. That'll put them in a good position moving forward. And, of course, this game we have to talk about. They're located two hours and 42 minutes from one another via via I-85 to U.S. 82, and that is Auburn and Alabama. They will be playing up against one another in a very, very exciting game because Auburn seems to like to play spoiler in games like this. They will be facing off against each other in a huge matchup that I know Papa Joe and I are excited about. 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS. Number one, Alabama. Number six, Auburn. Thoughts on this one? Oh, what a game this is going to be. Uh, Nick Saban preparing for something like this. He's an evil He's an evil genius, you know. And Gus uh, of Auburn likes to pitch the ball around. You know, Alabama's lost a lot of defensive players, uh, and they're still mighty. Uh, this is going to be very 
this is going to be very close. This is closer than a lot of people think, and maybe even an Auburn upset. This is not a this is not a runaway by any chance. Uh, I do like Alabama mainly because of the defense. And if Jalen Hurst, they give Jalen Hurst three seconds, he's going to complete some passes. They got a good running game. Again, keep keep Auburn's offense off the field, but I like Alabama. Yeah, th- this one's really hard for me because I want to say Alabama, but you know, this is what I'll say. My mind is telling me Alabama. My heart is telling me, boy, wouldn't this screw everything up <laughs> if, I, if Auburn won this game? So it would be a lot of fun to see what happened. I don't see Alabama at this point to me, in my opinion, they could lose the SEC championship. They could lose to Auburn and the committee will still write them in as a top four. So, you know, I don't think Alabama, cause they're going to have to drop from one to four. And you saw how hard it was for them to drop Clemson from two. So, you know, the way it stands right now, I don't think Alabama can do any wrong. I think that they're the prodigal child of the college football playoff. So I think they'll be okay, but darn it if this won't be a great game. Outside of that, Papa Joe, do you have any final notes on a Thanksgiving weekend, which is going to give us probably the best football we arguably have seen all year? I agree. Uh, You know, Mary's family's in Wisconsin, and my brother-in-laws are all in an uproar up there because Wisconsin is underappreciated. They're not getting the right coverage. They're this and that and this and that, and it's true. You know, they're playing a weak Minnesota team, but Wisconsin, if they if they stay undefeated and are outside the top four, come on. No, that's not right. I mean, granted, they haven't played a, a tough schedule, but no one's beat them. Well, and the thing is, and you argue that for Central Florida as well, which is why you argue having eight teams in the – if you had eight teams right now, it would be Alabama, Miami, Clemson, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Auburn – Georgia, and I would put UCF above Ohio State and Penn State. Here's the thing that I find funny. Somebody said yesterday, Ohio State will make it into the college football playoff conversation if they beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten game. Wait a second. So Wisconsin's not good enough to be in, but you can springboard yourself in from ninth place above Wisconsin if you beat them head-to-head? If Wisconsin is that good that a win would skyrocket you into the college football playoff, then they should already be in. So we shall see, we shall see, but I will argue UCF and Wisconsin up and down and around the corner. If it was up to me, I would say, you know what, this year we're playing eight, we're playing Alabama, Miami, Clemson, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, UCF, and then at Georgia, maybe Georgia and Auburn or Georgia and Notre Dame, I'd probably take in Notre Dame. I'm not taking Ohio State, you got two losses. I'm not taking Penn State, you got two. USC's got two. TCU's got two. Washington State's got two. Mississippi State's got three. Michigan State's got three. So the easiest thing for me to do is say, give me my undefeateds, which are Alabama, Miami, Wisconsin, and UCF, and then I'll fill in the other four with the teams that I think are good enough to go, and let's have a party. You know, you bring up a good point about uh, Central Florida again. Remember years ago, not, not that many years ago, but Boise State was sort of a run-of-a-mill program, and then they brought this guy, Coach Peterson, in. all of a sudden they're 10-1, 11-0, and then they go, they, they go to a bowl, they beat Oklahoma, and all of a sudden Boise State is the new, the, the new darling. Central Florida reminds me of, of Boise State, not getting any respect other than in their, their conference themselves. That's what I think. Yeah, well, we get to a point right now where it's going to get dicey. It's going to get interesting. And respect 
it has been earned by many. It should be given by the committee. And if the college football playoff committee can't give respect where respect is due, well, then guess what? You sound a lot like the BCS, which none of us liked. So, you know, well, I can't say none of us liked, but the BCS was a broken system where favoritism was played. College football playoff, if they don't handle it right this year, Papa Joe, they don't, they don't look any different than the United Nations looks from the League of Nations. You know, uh, you brought up a point earlier about possibly having eight games or eight teams. You know, the television networks could weigh on this also. It says, well, you know, give a little push to the committee and say, you know, we can make you guys a little bit more money if you would offer us eight games, eight teams, instead of four teams. That could be an answer to it. Yeah, you know what? They need to just get it done because you can't, I mean, four is just, it's becoming an issue because, there's too many conferences, and the American Athletic makes an argument for the Power Six, and it, there's and the Big 12 doesn't have good representation. I'm a proponent for the American taking the place of the Big 12 in the Power Five because they've done more of a body of work than the Big 12 has done in recent history, and I'll argue with anybody about that. So either way it goes, it's going to be a good weekend of football, and no matter what happens, Papa Joe – Happy Turkey Day, and I love you like crazy. I hope you have a great time, and I can't wait to see you soon. Same to you. Love to Kate, yourself, and and Debbie. Bye now. All right, take care. That coming from Papa Joe. We are here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora in the pre-Thanksgiving special. We'll take a quick step aside. We're normally a two-hour show. Today we've been a three-hour show. Why? Because we love you. That's why. I do what I got to do for my people. So we will be back in just a moment to wrap up the show. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or a wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315 315- 702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events, giving you a reason to celebrate. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. Welcome back. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop. 
and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Happy Thanksgiving Eve. Really quick here, rounding out the show like we typically do on a Thursday, but rounding out today's show because we're not going to be on Thursday due to Thanksgiving with Through the Looking Glass. The typical Thursday segment at 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time is playing for you right now. Through the Looking Glass, a deeper look at a trending topic. Well, there's a couple things that are trending right now. One of them is that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter. Nate Peterman got the starting job, threw five interceptions, and lost a job during the game to Tyrod Taylor. So it's a trending statement, but I don't know why it, it would be strange to anybody that the man is starting because it makes perfect sense why he would be out there. Number one trending topic is happy Thanksgiving, and that's the way we're going to end the show. Be thankful in your life. I'm going to give you 10 things I'm thankful for right now without writing them down or having to think. I'm thankful for my life and my health. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my puppy. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful that I get to wake up and do the job I love every single day. I'm thankful that I have all my ability to walk and talk and use all my senses and I have my arms and my legs. I'm thankful that my grandmother is safe and sound in heaven with my grandpa. I'm thankful that I believe in a God who is good that has always looked out for me and that will bring me and my grandparents together again one day. I'm thankful that my mom is one of the strongest people in the world that I know. I am thankful that when I was told I couldn't do things, I'm standing here today having done them for five years, four years, 14 years. I'm thankful that you've listened into this show and hopefully have gotten a lot of positives out of it. I'm thankful that no matter what roadblocks are seen or unforeseen, I never, ever stop. And that is by the grace of God, the goodness of God, and by whatever is inside of me that won't allow me to. I thank you so much for a great day. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you to Through the Looking Glass, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events. Check them out at lgweddingsandevents.com and plan your next wedding by calling 315-702-4653. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you all. And have a phenomenal, safe, healthy, and happy holiday. Travel well and be with the ones you love. Don't ever forget that God's got your back. And so do I. Praying and hoping for the best for you as always. Have a good day.